Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray, and we're going to be talking action and adventure April with our top 10 from another one of these movie challenges. Uh, this is the third one that we've done. Uh, but for this one, this will be only the second time in the history of the Shelf Shedding Movie Show that I've had more than one guest. So we'll have, for the first time ever, um, Sheldon Matico, we've been talking about having you on for a while. Sheldon is uh, a gentleman I work with, and he's a drama teacher as well. And we've actually known each other longer than that because back mm. in the day we were in uh, some plays together as well. So, <laughs> welcome to the show, Sheldon. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, that was a very, very long time ago. We were <laughs> we were on the stage together. We we yeah. graced uh, <laughs> Castle Theater together. <laughs> I feel like I was I was in my twenties and you were probably still in your teens when that was happening. So I I think I was actually I think I was eighteen. Um, yeah. And actually, the audition called for only nineteen plus. And uh, actually, I think I I might have uh, changed the date on on the the, the form there for a, a little extra uh, uh, wisdom, I guess you could call it, to get me to that nineteen <laughs> to get that uh, into the show. And if it wasn't for uh, this man's vision and <laughs> continued ideas about how to uh, make movie watching a daily event in our, our lives here, Scott Lehman's back here. Uh, and really, it started off with me for the first time doing your horror challenge and really like over the top, uh, like the 50 whatever that I watched and the 40 some you watched. And then you had the funny February idea, uh, mostly so that, you know, I think it'd be movies that uh, your wife would enjoy watching a little bit more and, and, and your kids. And then you just want to keep going with uh, into April with action and adventure April. So thanks for uh, creating these and, and putting all the themes out there. And I know Sheldon was watching us through funny February and yeah. then he sort of mentioned to me, you'd like to participate in whatever the next one was and uh and it seemed to work out well yeah it was it, uh, i yeah like i jason and i are facebook friends so we i was sort of watching from the outside in so to speak um him kind of you know uh take on the the challenges and it seemed very very interesting like well i've always been a, a film guy and uh, i took film classes in university and Although I'm a, a drama teacher, film has always been a, a huge part of my life. As I know, I know it has Jason's too, as well as uh, as you did the the movie theater thing for quite a few years there. I think, um, but yeah, it, it it seemed like something really interesting. And and as I sort of you know the the first couple the, that I uh, was aware of that Jason was doing, I, I would sort of do my own little mini version, although yeah. I wasn't posting. I, you know, I would every once in a while, I would look at what he was, the theme of what he was watching, and I would try to try to find my own. But uh, I kind of kept it uh, quiet for the first uh, <laughs> few times there. But uh, finally, with the action April, I thought I should uh, step in and, and, and try it. But, yeah, uh, is, yeah. Is, is action kind of more your jam? Or uh, I like all genres, okay. every, everything. Yeah, everything and anything. But uh, action movies, of course, like I grew up during the 90s. So uh, yeah. We were, you know, grew up during the the heart of the action movie, so to speak. Uh, you know, of course, it's evolved into a lot of uh, 
different things since, but uh, there's definitely a style that was that uh, is very nostalgic to me, you know. So yeah, yeah I've had uh, had fun doing these kind of uh, challenges, and uh, like you, um, I've had other friends of mine kind of following along, seeing what I'm watching for a category, and then they'd message me saying, "Oh, you should have watched this movie. That would have fit. Hey, you should watch this." Well, go ahead. You watch that then. And yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah, I can take part. Of course you can. Everyone, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I had other people just uh, kind of saying, "Hey, this is what I'm watching today," and yeah. you know, we kind of compare, have some crossover, and it's kind of interesting how it lands. But oh, for time. sure. Yeah, I was glad because you know it became something I look forward to. You know, it was uh, kind of choosing a, a movie to to pick for the day. So yeah, it's really interesting. You know, especially like. Uh, I, I've listened. I listened to, like I say, the the last podcast, and and like Jason has mentioned, you know, world events and everything that's going on. It's it's really nice to have uh, something to sort of take your mind off it for a little bit at the end of the day, especially you know a long day at work, and uh, it's it's nice to have an escape, uh, you know, for sure. So, yep, some mindless escape is always good. Yeah. So Scott, since like we've been part of all three of these, how did you find your action? april um in comparison to the other ones that we've tried i've never uh, this one was a bit different because uh i watched the least movies i out of all the three different uh challenges and i think uh some i'm not sure if it's just just uh if the nature of the movies are more exhausting or tiring because there's so much you know adrenaline and stuff going on that after you're just kind of and a lot of them have a bit of a longer running time often uh, so I, I, I think there was only one or two days I, I fit in a double feature. Other than that, it was just one a night. Um, other things going on as well. But uh, I really I really had fun with it. Uh, something I find interesting with the action movies is, um, see, I'm a horror fan. But a lot of people kind of, they, they turn their nose up at it and say, how can you like that stuff? And then they'll watch, you know, one of these that I have piled in front of me where, you know, 60 people get killed. And then uh, yeah. they'll have no problem with that. Um, I definitely watched more people die this month probably than I did in October when I watched twice as many movies, but, uh, um, it, it, but, uh, there, there's a variety of, uh, of styles as well. You got your old school action heroes and then you got your, your current like Marvel heroes and, um, you know, your, but I mean, there's a lot to choose from. I had a good time with it. it. I like having something to look forward to at the end of the day saying, Oh yeah, I'm going home tonight to watch, you know, whatever that movie is. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found it again, similar to, I think in February, I only did one double feature and I, I did two. Um, and they were both fairly early on in the month, but I, I found I could only fit in one movie a day typically. So I think it was maybe 32. I got to, um, and I just, I don't know what, what it was about October. I was on fire. I was doing <laughs> triple features and, and all, all kinds of stuff uh, that month. And well, I didn't know how I would have done it, but in, in October, there's a lot of, you know, 86 minute slashers that you can just, uh, <laughs> digest two or three of those quickly, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And some of these were, were quite a bit longer. Um, yeah, so we won't do uh, runners up. I've certainly had some. I'm sure we all would have, uh, which made it kind of tough to, to do the list of 10. What was interesting to me is of the three challenges, I now think I know which uh, genre I am hardest on of the three, and that is comedy. I think I, I, I had a harder time, and there were more days where I was just 
not feeling it with the comedy movies I chose. Uh, but at this this action movie, I saw lots of great action movies, and I I I could have probably had a, a, a top twenty for sure. Um, and the, the horror one, of course, because of the sheer number of movies I watched, but also uh, <laughs> just making some tough decisions. Um, that that one was, was was difficult too. But in February, my list was fairly easy because there were several of them I was just incredibly hard on. So um, I, I I don't know because I, I used to think well maybe action it would be the one that I would be the hardest one of the three of the three genre pieces. But it actually is comedy and comedy as we know on stage or or film or whatever is the hardest one to actually pull off um, from a writing and directing and acting point of view. So it shows how hard comedy is i don't know that suggests that it's easy to make an action movie or a horror movie it isn't but uh it is for me the action i was much more accepting of even if it wasn't a fantastic movie i was able to enjoy myself a lot more with the action month um and the horror month and funny february so hmm, interesting yeah so we're gonna go through our our uh our top 10, again, maybe not like a 10 best list as much, but it's just the 10 that we enjoyed, were entertained by, uh, felt good about it on the day and, and sort of carried over into the time that we're recording this. And at the end, um, because uh, Scott threw me for a loop at the tail end of the funny February episode and mentioned this idea of shedding one of the movies from the month. And uh, I, I, I had two that I would consider, so we'll we'll see which one I say at the very end. But at the end of the episode, we will each pick uh, one movie that we would shed from our Action April month. Um, but on the whole, it sounds like we we saw more movies that we liked that didn't like. I hope. Yeah. And to join you in this, I will actually be shedding this one from my shelf in, oh, in honor okay. of your show's name. So oh wow! Yeah. So it'll be <laughs> be. Just like the things I'm doing with uh, with my regular episodes here. So, all right. So, I think we just kind of randomly went in the order of uh, we're, we're going to start off with ten, go down to one as usual, uh, and then we'll go with Sheldon's pick, and then Scott's, and then mine, and uh, we'll not try not to do full on reviews, but we'll just kind of <laughs> over the uh, highlights while you pick them and have a little little bit of a discussion before we. Uh, move on to the next ones here, but keeping time in mind for sure. So, well then you uh, will kick it off here with your number 10 choice. Want me to do a 10? Sure. Um, uh, there were, I watched a ton of really good movies. So yeah, like it's, it's, it's really hard for me to rank movies. I've always been one of those people that has a hard time doing that. And then it, it's almost like that movie, uh, like High Fidelity, where they always talk about their top 10 and top, yeah. uh, you know, like, I, I and they're always evolving, it seems, throughout the movie, you know, there's all these top this and this. And, um, but anyway, um, I just, I, I picked one and kind of went from there. Uh, it, it was the one, I, be, I believe it was uh, the one with a wrestler in it, the one with a former wrestler in it. Yeah. I, I, I believe, I think that was on the 17th, and I watched uh, They Live. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blinded us to the truth! Take a 
Look. They are safe as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them. They're everywhere. We have no other choice. I don't like this one. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business. Ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletale. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick it. And I'm all out of bubblegum. nice yeah nice yeah i i kind of i hesitated i tried to think of you know movies that have had wrestlers in them there's a ton you know like you think about the movies hulk hogan has done um or you could think about the rock he he's done uh, quite a few as well um but i kind of tried to pick a more obscure one so i i really had to think uh and one of the ones i i always Kind of liked Roddy Roddy Piper. He was one of my favorite uh, wrestlers <laughs> back in the day. I, I was very much a, a, a WWF uh, fan before it became WWE, of course. Um, and Roddy Roddy Piper, I always, I don't know. I, I might have some Scottish heritage somewhere in, in, in my blood because I, well, I'm part Norwegian. And I know, Jason, you are too. So uh, if, if you, you know, know a little bit about history, right, uh, Norway and the Norwegians, the Vikings, uh, at one point or another, uh, they, they conquered Scotland and all of England. And, and uh, they, of course, stayed and, and uh, uh, became, you know, part of the cultures there. And, and there, was, there was definitely a sharing of cultures there. So I'm sure if you went back, if I did one of those ancestry things, I would have some Scottish heritage. And uh, that, that was kind of cool, too, to... Uh, sort of watch a movie that uh you know from from maybe a distant 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 ancestry with roddy roddy piper it was you know what it was a movie from my past that um like you know i don't even know a ton about the movie to be quite honest with you it, it, it i remembered roddy roddy piper and i remembered um it was very interesting with uh the special effects that it had in it that was kind of one thing that st struck me about it because of course it's about um, you know, when you would put on these glasses, you would actually see uh, who's an, an alien and who's not. And they were, they were, it was kind of this uh, weird sort of neon psychedelic effect that you would see the skull and, and of the, the alien, I guess you could say, through the human mask that was over top, I, I guess you could sort of think of it as. And uh, that was one memory, I don't know, that always... Uh, sort of stuck with me. I used to see the movie on like uh, years ago on C CBC, very late at night, and that was one thing always struck uh, me as kind of I don't know. It, it 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 always it was very memorable, I guess you could say. So that's why I watched that one. <laughs> that's a great movie. I know, uh, like you're saying, when you think about wrestlers, move uh, action movies with wrestlers. After you start thinking about it, there are quite a few, um, and that was one for whatever reason I never thought of 
uh, and I saw that you had posted, you watched that and I slapped my head say, Oh, I should have watched that one. I, I didn't watch they live. If I did, that would have probably been on my 10 for that's that's a great one i think i yeah. watched something with john cena that night myself but uh. oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah for me i i'd watched it fairly recently before we did this and so i didn't feel like watching it again so that's why i didn't but it would it would have been a strong um consideration i i'm a big john carpenter fan and i would say scott i'm sure you are as well oh for sure and uh you, it's a, just a fun movie. It's a fun movie. I'm not sure even those who love John Carpenter have as many people have seen they live as, you know, obviously had the Halloween and as Halloween movie and the thing and uh, uh, escape from New, New York and, and movies like that. But uh, he was, he was on fire in the eighties and it was, uh, that, that's just a fun movie to, uh, and very, very rewatchable. So Awesome choice there. Yeah. I, I keep thinking back to like it seems like that that twelve minute street fight that just doesn't seem to end. And that's <laughs> I always my mind always yeah. goes back to that one. Yeah, that that was definite. That that one stands out now more than ever. Like you when you watch it now, it, it, it's yeah. And that maybe comes back to how much action movies have uh, sort of evolved since yeah. uh, you know since that that time. But, but you know, it's 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 just a strange one because it is an action movie, but it's also like you know John Carpenter, right? And John Carpenter is, is pretty sci-fi horror in there. Horror, yeah, sci-fi, very 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 horror. So it, it but. Uh, it, it, yeah, I don't know. It, like Jason said, it was just a really fun movie. It's fun to watch. <laughs> There's some humor in there too, so it has a little bit of everything. For well, there's the classic line, and I was trying to think of it, uh, the bubble gum line. I oh, that that one always uh, come here to up. kick ass and chew bubble gum. Yeah, all out of bubble gum. <laughs> we're all out of bubble gum. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's showed up in so many other movies. There's been a ton of movies. Uh, if you were to list them, you could go on and on that have uh, quoted sort of that or sampled that, I guess you could say, or, uh, you know, kind of paid some sort of reference to it. <laughs> yeah. So Scott, what did you have? For in my number 10 spot uh, was the night we celebrated a female director. So uh, for that one, I chose probably, I, I think the most, famous female director of action films is probably Catherine Bigelow. Uh, it's probably the first name that pops into a lot of people's heads. So uh, the movie I watched was, I would feel maybe the first movie of hers that would pop in your head for a lot of people. And that is uh, point break. You still haven't figured out what riding waves is all about. Have you? It's a state of mind. It's that place where you lose yourself and you find yourself. You don't know it yet, but you got it. It's right there. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. Little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Everybody freeze! Nobody move! Keep your hands up and your eyes down! We are the ex-presidents! FBI! Freeze! Special Agent John Utah, day number one in L.A. Welcome aboard. You want to nail the bank robbers and be a big hero? Definitely. That's Bodhi. They call him the Bodhisattva. You want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. Sure trust tomorrow. Next day outside the latest. Everything moves in cycles. So twice a century, the ocean lets us know just how small we really are. It's the ultimate rush. There's nothing that comes close to it. Not even sex. Johnny has his own demons. Don't you, Johnny? The ex-presidents are surfers. He 
idea what the wave is doing. Then accept its energy, get in sync, and then charge with it. You two have produced exactly squat! During which time, the ex-presidents have robbed two more banks! I can't describe what I'm feeling. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. You shoot, you don't miss. Don't fire! After you, Alphonse! Fear causes hesitation. Hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. No! Are you getting too goddamn close to the surfing guru buddy of yours? Adios, amigo! my first tube this morning. What an entertaining movie. That's, uh, I mean, uh, there's, there's so much uh, in this that, uh, that just entertains you all the way down from even just the characters' names, like Johnny Utah. It just sounds <laughs> so, <laughs> such a, an American hero name, but uh, you mean you got skydiving, you got shoot shootouts you got uh, bank robberies car chases everything there's two scenes that really stood out to me uh where at that moment i said okay well this is going on the list there's the one where there's the, the raid on the house where they're they got the drugs and the guns in there that scene blew me away and i thought this this is awesome and uh and then of course the foot chase uh the camera work on that where the where it just he doesn't let up and it's it's just a, a great chase scene there and my my guilty admission for this movie is this i believe is the first time that i've actually seen the full movie which i'm surprised at um i remember seeing the bank robbery you know with the president masks that was a big thing i remember seeing that in my youth uh, this must have been on tv many times or i've seen bits of it but for whatever reason, this is the first time I said, let's make some popcorn and watch Point Break. And I realized I've never fully seen this movie before. So I don't know what was wrong with me, but uh, really enjoyed it. That's absolutely. Uh, yeah, for sure. That's I was just going to say that's absolutely one of my favorite movies, I think, of, of all time. I oh, think yeah. that would be that would be on my high fidelity top 10 list, I think. Um yeah, that's another nostalgic sort of movie for me. And I watched the same one as, as you did that night. Um, I, I knew it was going to make it onto the list at some point because there was a few different days that could have covered that one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I picked the same one, but it, it kind of takes me back. Um, we used to play uh, a lot of paintball when I was a kid. And that was one movie that we always used to quote when we were playing paintball for some reason. It was just, it was one that would pop into your head when, when you were playing paintball. Like you said, this, the scene, um, you know, with the, the DEA agent where they find out that he's a DEA agent and the, the raid, um, absolutely classic. And I, I think I, I might, I don't know if I should say it or not, but I, I'm pretty sure that there was one of the actors that was uh, in the, I guess the, house of, of people that they were taking down it always strikes me very it looks a lot like a red hot chili pepper and i'm not sure which one it is but he really does every time i watch the movie for some reason or another i i look and it it just strikes me as as a, he looks like a red hot chili pepper 
but it, it's that's that's why I remember that scene for some reason. It's because I, I I'm probably wrong. It's probably not even him. But every single time that I see that scene, that's the first thing that I say. He's the one that gets shot in the foot. I remember that. I'll have to relook at that then. Yeah, I, I I I'm probably wrong, but 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 look at it and tell me if he doesn't kind of look like a red hot chili pepper. <laughs> so yeah, that, but, yeah. that was definitely the scene where it brought it to another level for me. Where that, that, this is a good scene. Oh, for sure. Very, very well directed sequence as well. Uh, it's uh, this won't be the only time that we hear about Catherine Bigelow as far as the female director's uh, uh, theme day for sure. Um, I did not watch Point Break because I'm going to be reviewing it in an upcoming show, and I had watched it and I kind of knew that I thought it might be generally brought up, but I thought I'll I'll save. My full review and opinion on it for uh, for a future show there. So, um, but yeah, very very much enjoyed Point Break, and it's one of my brother's favorite movies too. So he's he's always loved it. So did did yeah. anybody else kind of get a strange Lost Boys vibe from it as well? Oh yeah, kinda, I, I totally. Yeah. You know, but instead of infiltrating the vampires, become part of their crew. You know, it's the same thing with the surfers, and uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of very different movies, but I'm not sure why. I just started feeling kind of a, a Lost Boys companion piece would be okay absolutely and it, and it's sort of yeah it seems that way like the camaraderie between uh all the main characters sort of it definitely i i, I could totally uh agree with you on that there was a sort of a lost boy feel to it yeah the um, twist ending was going to be they weren't bank robbers they're actually vampires in the end yeah. <laughs> it's gonna go, whoa what happened well and and that would be know, number one movie that's what it would be if that turned out to be the plot twist at the end i would be like yeah. <laughs> and and such good performances too you, you know like such good actors and patrick swayze and keanu reeves i know a lot of people harp on on keanu reeves uh i i like him as an actor and a, and a lot of people sort of look at me especially because i'm a drama teacher and they kind of laugh <laughs> at me for that one i'm like well i honestly i like what he does you know he might do the very same sort of thing very often the very similar thing but i like what it is but uh, Patrick Swayze, uh, he sort of he stands out in that movie. He stands out uh, above any other actor, I think. Um, that's that's my favorite movie that that he's ever uh, had a wow. role in. Yeah. Well, a chance for him to play a more criminal personality and not the hero, like he would often be the hero in most of his yeah. uh, his films. There, so um, yeah, I don't. I, I, there's so much stuff I want to say, but I I, I don't want to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. We, we we better stop. We we it's it's a we're it's a future almost. almost yeah, we have a, might have to have an hourglass. You flip over. All right, time's up. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, going to my number ten. Uh, this was from RoboCop Day, and I decided because uh, I had watched RoboCop again fairly recently before, so I, I decided to watch RoboCop Two, directed by Irvin Kirshner. <laughs> About a year ago, we gave this city Robocop. Ready for duty, partner? Nothing I'd rather do. I think he's worked out pretty well. Have a seat. This is a bust. But things have become a little rougher out there. This unit needs millions of dollars in parts. You see, Robocop's off warranty. He's one of mine. 
And I want him back on his feet. I believe that Murphy's case was unusual, but not unique. We can find someone else. Someone to whom the prospect might even be desirable. And now, we need a law enforcement unit capable of meeting the enemy on his own ground. She's screaming psychotic, sir. Oh, we aren't planning to build a toy. I'm carrying enough firepower to get the job done. I got good news for you. You're going to have a chance for immortality. With great pleasure, I give you Robocop 2. Ah, uh, yes. Things will be a lot quieter with this boy around. That thing is a killer! Kane! Let's step outside. You! You're obsolete! Behave yourselves! And I had a lot of number twos that I watched for some reason during this challenge. That, and I actually think probably, totally on the surface, this is probably the worst of the number twos. <laughs> <laughs> but I had so much fun with this goofy movie, which is just nonstop mayhem and violence. For those who have maybe watched the first one, but not the second one, uh, we are still following our cyborg uh, Detroit policeman, Alex Murphy. And he's having to deal with a lot of different things. Uh, the police force has gone on strike against this evil conglomerate called Omni Consumer Products. And it's trying to foreclose on the entire city of Detroit. And uh, there's also a crime boss who's spreading this new drug called Nuke, Nuke. Uh, around. Um, and there's an attempt by this evil psychologist, uh, Juliet Fox, to create another RoboCop um, using the, a hardened criminal uh, to try to, I guess, enforce the law even more. Um, to make sure that it's, you know, truly a robot, I, I guess. I don't know. Uh, the plot <laughs> is kind of sidelined to the fact that he's just, uh, we're on the side of he's going around killing folks, and then he gets the crap beating out of him, uh, and then he has to go through the journey of getting put back together and proving that he is the only cyborg police officer that Detroit needs. And I had so much fun with it. It not much of a brain in its head, but it was to me totally. It was a 1990s, so it was just short of being an 80s action movie. But there, there was that pushover from the 80s there, and it is, it is great fun. Um, I, I, I like the RoboCop series. Uh, I'm not the only one out there who loves the RoboCop. A lot of people will give, of course, RoboCop the original, a lot of the praise. But I think as far as the second movie in the series, you could do a lot worse than RoboCop 2. And I, I just could not take it off of the number 10 spot on my list. So there it is. Yeah, wanted to give it a shout out. I haven't seen the second one for quite a while, but uh, I do like, I do enjoy all the RoboCops. Yeah, they're violent, cheesy fun that speak <laughs> to me. RoboCop 2 has a special place for me because I remember that was one of the earliest movies that it was an R-rated movie and we snuck into the theater. We were not quite 18 at that point. Um, and I remember some of my friends got through and then the usher took my ticket and he, or he asked if I was 18 and I wasn't. And so I, I think I bought a ticket for something beside and then snuck in. And, but, uh, that was, that was fun seeing those movies in the theater back then. 
<laughs> that yeah. nuke. I haven't seen it, but I remember nuke it was. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> It was a hard drug. <laughs> it doesn't get much harder than nuke when you think about it, really. That's that's a name that implies kind of the ultimate uh, whatever <laughs> the, it is. <laughs> that was the meth of 1990. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 it was the future, right? Because so I'm not sure what year we were in, but... Uh, yeah, for a film released in 1990, but it was supposed to represent some other time that the not too distant future. Yeah, it was the not too distant future. I think it was supposed to be like if I they do give a date, I think, but it, it's yeah. I think it's around um, like in the 2000 teens. I think is is when it or something or 2020s maybe it was supposed to happen. Because I, I we don't we don't have flying cars and. Yeah. Things like that, right? It's still grounded in today with uh, today's technology. Yeah. This yeah, might be I, yeah. brought up again. Um, uh, and just as I give my random shout outs to Larry Parsons and Rankin Review, uh, uh, who Scott's known for a lot longer than I've known Larry. Uh, Larry, one of his regular criticisms of futuristic movies is why don't you set your movie like way, way into the distant future where nobody who lives now could possibly live. If you set it 20, 30 years into the future, people will be like, oh, let's take a look at this and see what they got right and what they got wrong, you know, which can be kind of a fun exercise. Yeah. But uh, but now after that year has passed and we're looking at like, yeah, they really didn't have a great idea of what 2016 was going to look like. So I think we're on to number nine, Sheldon. Number nine, that's me again. Okay. <laughs> um, there's all this talking. I, I forgot that we were moving on to <laughs> number nine. I, I, I got carried away. I thought we were done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. This is number 10. Um, <laughs> Stay tuned for part two. <laughs> part two, number nine. Um, this one, uh, I, uh, well, I, we, we better get to it at some point or another. And so we might as well now while I still have some. Voice left. Definitely, this one is probably this one could be higher up on the list. I'm sure if we were making the list uh, a favorite or something. But number nine was the Quentin Tarantino, I think, uh, for me. Which and uh, I I picked uh, Kill Bill, and I actually that was one of the ones that I I watched both. I did both one and two.
I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a longer night. You know, I know Jason has a, an affinity for Quentin Tarantino, much like I do. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, and, and, and for sure, Scott, I'm sure, for sure. You won't meet too many people that don't like Quentin Tarantino movies, I think, it, um, if they've had some exposure to them. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's been, you know, a lot of people that, that haven't seen a lot of his films, but I grew up watching them, of course, Pulp Fiction. And, uh, you know, you can talk about uh, all the movies that he's put out. And, and uh, he's definitely a director that has a, a style that mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy, um, you know, in, in, in the way that he shoots a scene, in, in the way that the story is told. And, and that's really what it comes back to. Um, I find that he he's very good at linking his scenes to the story, and and he just does it so effectively that it's very very entertaining and and um, uh, definitely you know some great performances by Uma Thurman. Uh, she you know she is uh, one of the greatest uh, for sure. Uh, you know and and she's been in a lot of uh, Quentin's movies. Of course, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction is one I definitely remember her from. I had the the poster of her from Pulp Fiction that used to be on my my bedroom yeah. uh, wall from I don't know how long when I bought it, but I'm sure from when I was a very, uh, you know, younger teenager. So uh, that one definitely was a nostalgic pick as well for me. And uh, just because it, it makes me think of all the Quentin Tarantino movies, uh, not specifically because of the movie Kill Bill. And although it's it's a great story, you know, um, how, how can you uh, have a better story? And, and it, I think it's I've read online, I've, I've read a few uh, uh, sort of articles that people have written about it, and it's sort of known to glorify, I think, um, more um, uh, Asian action movies, I guess, um, is, is sort of the style that it was it was made in. Of course, I'm sure Jason knows all about this. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a, such a, a great movie. I love swords. I, I, I teach a lot of stage combat in, in uh, my drama classes. It's, it's something uh, I got into in university and I, I love it. I've uh, crafted a few of my own practice swords, but um, they're, they're not nearly as good as a, a Hanzo sword by any, any means. Uh, mine are made of wood. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just great sword fighting. Really, really fun to watch. And, and uh, yeah, it's just an all around. Both of them are, are awesome movies. Yeah, I really, I've never had the pleasure of watching both in the same night. That is something I'd like to, you know, get around to and see what, how that feels. I know, I, I remember always feeling like I, I preferred the first one as, a, as its own movie, but uh, the second one's grown over time more. Um, maybe it's, I think the first one was such a theatrical experience with uh, a bit more action in it, but uh, yeah, good pick. I, I like both of those. Yeah. I, I look forward to the day where there, there is a cut of this movie because it was originally supposed to be one film uh, where we would watch it together as, as one film. Cause I think that's how it was supposed to be done. But, um, I think, uh, one of those evil Weinsteins came in and said, was worried about the running time of the single film, how long it would be and said it had to be in two parts there. So he did kind of a, a East yeah. and West with the, with the, um, all right. I, I appreciate the pick. I'm going to say something which opens up a can of worms. We won't spend too much time with the worms. <laughs> Controversial opinion. 
I think Kill Bill is Quentin Tarantino's worst film. I, you but know, and very, very good. I would, I would almost agree with you on that. I, I, I to a certain extent, uh, I, I, I don't think you're um, far off of being necessarily wrong, you, you know. But um, like you say, it's still an amazing film. Like even you know the worst uh, from yeah. a, a, an amazing director is still a, just an amazing movie. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad at you for saying that. <laughs> lots of people will go in different directions with that that worst idea, and like whether Death Proof is a movie onto itself or if it's more the connected to, to Grindhouse or whatever. But um, yeah, anyway, a discussion for another time as to why <laughs> I feel that way. Um, because I've yet to review those movies on my show, but uh, uh, number nine, Scott. For number nine, I went to uh, the day where you had action with an alien, and for that movie, I went a little uh, off the dartboard with uh, went to 1987 for a film called The Hidden. I want this car. Jonathan Miller would never do anything to break the law. I need the keys. Thank you. Bye. He is a very fine, very honest gentleman. Something strange is happening to some ordinary people. Yeah, that's Jack. Real nice man. What do you do, rob a bank? He's a law-abiding taxpayer, minding his own business. Killed 12 people, wounded 23 more, stole six cars, most of them Ferraris. If anybody deserves to go that way, sure in the hell's him. I've worked homicide for 13 years. Now. I have never seen anything like this. You trying to tell me that she's part of this? Step out of the car slow! I want answers, and I want them now. Explanation won't help you. I want to know why it takes 15 shots to take down some sold-out stripper. Why three law-abiding citizens all of a sudden go crazy and start killing people? We talking spacemen here? Something gets in his way, he kills it. Finds a body, gets inside. Uses it to move around. Try for one on the tire. If you think this is easy, why don't you try Bye. I guess a career in the police didn't really prepare you for this, did it? The Hidden. You think it's over now? You're wrong. Not sure if you're familiar with it or it's a smaller movie, but no. Um, now it's uh, it it's an alien parasite that comes to Earth and and it uh, inhabits a body and takes you know uses the body kind of as its host and the the alien enjoys violence and uh, fast cars and whatever whatever it wants it takes and uh, there's it's it's the one that on my list that mostly dabbles a bit in horror as well. Uh, because there are there is some uh, gruesome scenes, especially when you do see the how the alien transforms into another body. It's uh, it's kind of icky, but uh, 
uh it's there but a lot of car chases um you know silly alien guns i mean it's 1987 but uh it's there's many movies that kind of have that idea with the uh the alien that jumps bodies or or takes it over and and then uses it up until it's got nothing left and then it has to jump again Uh, but i i was impressed with just how much i enjoyed it it's uh it's fast paced a lot of people kind of compared it uh in feel to the terminator now it's not nearly as good as the terminator but it's um I guess that style where it just looks like an, a human unstoppable force on the, on the surface. And and you never know who, who is the, uh, who's the alien now because it's the hidden, but uh, it's, it's a fun 1987, you know, horror action thriller kind of movie. I, I, I've certainly heard of it now. Who's the director? The director is, uh, they're my glasses. The, the box does say uh, from the makers of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, obviously, we're, it's not Wes Craven. Jack Shoulder. Jack there Shoulder. Yeah, so directed yeah, I, by I Jack. Thought, I thought it was somebody else. I thought it was somebody who had been um, a little bit more of like one of one of the, the big names at the time there. So Yeah, so I think, uh, just trying to take a look here. I'm not sure how who they had the connection to Nightmare on Elm Street, whether it was the writer or someone else involved. But uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a good time. And it was yeah, kind of I, one of those... It's probably one of the smaller films that made my list too. That I uh, uh, was worried that maybe not as many people heard of. But uh, if you're into that kind of thing, it's uh, it'll put a, puts a smile on my face. Yeah, I, I I think based on your description, I'd really enjoy it, and I just haven't gone around to seeing that one. And yeah, I, I found unlike the other lists where I, I would try to highlight some movies that I don't think other people have seen, there are bigger movies on my list this time too. Um, but as a little bit of a transition into my number nine, this is not one of them. Uh, this is one that not a lot of people have seen that I just, I vaguely remember when it's released in 1992 and I was always curious about it. And I picked up a copy one day of it and, uh, I, I was great to have an excuse. It was on the futuristic day to watch this movie called split second. I unloaded a full clip. 450 Magnum, point blank, it disappeared. He can hear its heartbeat. Where'd he go? He knows it's out there. Somebody must have seen something. He knows what it can do. Are you telling me? There's something running around loose in this city, ripping the hearts out of people and eating them. Maybe he eats them for breakfast. Now it's really pissing him off. Foster! his new partner I work alone makes two paranoid people with guns are a menace to society you'd be paranoid too if you had a dipshit like this following you stuck of nonos and serial homicide oh terrific it has no motive the only thing we know for sure is that he's not a vegetarian it has the DNA structure of all its victims it gives no warning ready to die but one thing's for certain we could get bigger guns it ain't no pushover Two, yeah. bingo we want to get to cannon street <laughs> no you don't yes we do boy are you pushy Holy! i wouldn't say this thing thinks it's safe I say it is Satan. Rat bastard! Satan is a deep shit. Get out of there! 
by Tony Malum and Ian Sharp. And um, it's a Rutger Hauer vehicle um, where this is another one where it, way in the distant future of 2008. No, so this is 1992 and it's 2008 that they're sending their <laughs> film. But I, I guess it's not that out of control as far as it's, it's a not too distant future film and it is has a bit of a message about global warming set in London and London is kind of underwater throughout and uh Rutger Hauer is this uh policeman and he's you know think of a dirty hairy type of archetype um who you know uses too much violence and you know uh, people don't don't like him on the forest as much but he's very effective and he's hunting a this slimy monster who is like this serial killer and ripping out the hearts of people in the streets of London and all of um, all of the people that get targeted are connected to Rutger Hauer. Um, and it says uh, Kim Cattrall and one of the great British actors of all time, Pete Postlethwaite is in there as um, this police officer who's kind of Rutger Hauer's nemesis. Uh, in there, and they, they don't get along at all. I, it, it was a lot of fun, and I I mean I, w- I looked at brutal like Rotten Tomatoes. It only has four reviews, four published reviews. Three of them are negative. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, this is this is a very obscure movie, I guess. Or and I I just hate the idea of we talked about this before movies being lost, and so whatever I can do. Good, bad, or ugly. I just want the movie to be known uh, and people to think about it a little bit more. And Split Second, uh, it was a lot of fun. So I don't know if either of you. I, I think there were some comments on the day I posted it that you hadn't heard of it or hadn't seen it. No, it's a new title to me. <clears throat> yeah, I, I can't remember honestly if I if I had seen it or not. I, I think I've heard of it, and and I think when you posted the the movie cover, it, it seemed familiar to me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think just what you said about movies getting lost there, that that's sort of, I think, important, uh, when, when you think about movies like, like the one that you watched and I think what, like what Scott watched too, too as well, um, kind of smaller movies or, or lesser known movies that, um, well, they're lesser known now because you would never see them, uh, on a streaming service. Usually, you know, some of these movies, um, maybe some of them would make it onto a rotation, onto a streaming service. But uh, definitely, I grew up in the time of movie stores, and you would go into a movie store. I, I, I remember very vividly uh, all the memories of going in and seeing all the different movies, um, you know, the, the sort of the B movies that nobody ever really watched, the straight-to-TV movies, um, those ones that uh, you'll never find again. So it's... Uh, it kind of makes me think of that. It's, it's sort of unfortunate we've lost a lot of those. Yeah. If you think of this mo- movie as um, it's kind of a, a, a B-movie creature feature starring Rutger Hauer, 
with the kind of the Blade Runner type of atmosphere. I'm not saying it's as yeah. good as Blade Runner at all, but it, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And again, so that's, I was kind of reserving ones where I, you know, had fun with it, brain on hold a little bit more uh, for kind of the back of my, my, uh, my uh, top 10 for this show. So I find I did that a lot this month. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> brain on hold and just have fun, yeah. but I'm yeah. looking at the cover here for split second and, it sort of maybe looks familiar, but uh, it looks like something if I saw on a VHS back then, I probably would have taken a look at it. Uh, but you're right. It says Blade Runner meets Alien. So <laughs> if I can yeah, find that one day, I'll, I'll check it out. Line, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of an alien type in, yeah, feel towards the climax of the film. So lots of fun. We're back to you, Sheldon, for number eight. Number eight. Counting it down. Um, number eight was one... A lot of these movies, honestly, I think just the, the genre of action gave me the opportunity to pick so many movies that I used to watch when I was younger. Um, this one kind of took me back to high school. I went to high school in the late 90s, so um, the Boondock uh, Saints. On the streets of Boston. This was no gangland assassination. It was way too sloppy. Something went wrong here. An FBI agent is on a case. All the low lowlifes in the quiet city of Boston start dropping dead, and you think it's unrelated. They're all bad guys. Now they're all dead bad guys. The victims are the mob. What we have here, gentlemen, is the beginning of the first international mob war. And the hitmen think they're on a mission. From God. Anybody you think is evil. Don't you think that's a little weird, a little psycho? Sort of like 7-Eleven. We're not always doing business, but we're always open. That is nice and close. <laughs> it was two shooters. Bang, freaking fantastic. This guy's very sharp. He hasn't figured us out yet, he will. All we know is what we found out from the neighbors. And the general consensus is they're angels. In a place where the violent have the power. Destroy all that which is evil, so that which is good may flourish. One lawman doesn't know whether to catch the killers. I believe what they do is necessary. Or join them. All the things I wish I could do, these guys are doing. With every breath, we shall hunt them down. Each day, we will spill their blood. There was a was one of my favorites uh and yeah that one i think was on the day where we could pick one from any series i believe it was or any franchise i think it actually was the wording um and and that one i mean uh i don't know where to start with with that movie to be quite honest with you if you've seen it you maybe understand that um i i think it was directed by troy duffy i believe um and i don't know if he's done very many other things i i did a search on him really quickly and i i don't think i've seen much uh else that he's uh, done and other than the the boondock saints movies 
Um, I'm sure there's some stuff, but uh, yeah, just a lot of fun. Um, you, you know, the the Irish uh, accents and uh, the uh, just the whole storyline and how they meet their father. That, that part always sort of seems strange to me, how they have this uh, huge gun battle with their father. It, 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 I, I know that's the only part of the movie that, to me, I just I sort of scratch my head at. The, re- the rest of it makes mostly makes a lot of sense. Um, but then they, they get this guy who happens to be their father released from prison, uh, El Duce or, or whatever his uh, nickname is. And uh, yeah, I guess it's explained sort of a little bit in the sequel, um, like how he got his multiple gun holstered uh, coat. I, think, I believe it's Billy uh, Conley, I think is his name. I believe the actor that plays that uh, role. And uh, uh, yeah, but they don't really ever explain why he gets into a and shoots his son and i think that somebody loses a, a finger which william defoe finds uh that's just it's just an, an, an odd part of the movie but uh everything else uh the scene that stands out i think most to me is when they're uh sort of crawling through the air conditioning ducts to do their their first sort of hit on the russian mafia uh, while on the big bosses and they're yelling at each other and uh, just the the banter back and forth about the rope uh, is something that I I, I always quote and I, and I I you know there's a few swear words in it so it's kind of hard to to quote but uh, uh, they talk specifically about rope toting and Charlie Bronson and and uh, that that part just always makes me laugh and and uh, so that's that's why I like that movie it's a good action movie and it makes you laugh too so it's uh, and it's got a good heart I think that movie that really does. Um, I don't know what, what it is. It's a good Irish heart, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, like that. And, and you get Willem Dafoe doing Willem Dafoe stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind For of a sure. it's kind of a treat when you get to see him just go off. <laughs> and he's great. You know, you yeah. You talk about performances in the movie, right? William Dafoe is is definitely one that uh, he's he's great. One of my favorites for sure. He's always good. Uh, I'm. Shock you! I've not to this day not seen the Boondock Saints. I don't know why I haven't. Uh, I do know that from listening to the podcast. I've never talked to him about it directly. That Larry absolutely despises the Boondock. Yeah, <laughs> he, he doesn't hate movies. He really thinks what's the point in putting that much negative energy towards an entertainment, but I think he, he did say something about hate. There, so there are some. I'll, I don't know why that is, but uh, that's always been in the back of my mind. It's like, am I, am I going to watch it now or am I going to be, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I need to check this one out. This is one that's been around for a long time and I should have watched uh, by now, but I just haven't. I see. I don't see how someone can hate the boondock saints, but uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe not your favorite movie, but. <laughs> there was a friend of ours in high school this was his uh go-to movie so it was kind of forced upon us we, we hadn't heard about it at that point because oh you guys seen the boondock saints no we hadn't to say like, well were you watching it? and we throw it in every time we're at his house and yeah we started to get enjoy it oh that's it yeah it's just such a good show uh like i yeah i'm surprised jason that you haven't seen it it's uh definitely one you you should check out um it's it's you know in all honesty 
the movie, if you look, if you're looking for a finished piece, a finished film, um, you know, it's not the greatest, to be quite honest with you. Like, in, in terms of, you know, like film, from a filmmaker's perspective, if, if you were to look at it and look at the technique involved, um, you know, and how the scenes fit together and how the music is choreographed and how it suits the scenes, because um, I've seen it thousands of times. Um, <laughs> It's 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 not. <laughs> wow. Well, in all, I probably have seen it thousands of times. Um, it's it's a movie that I've put on as background noise when I'm studying or uh, doing something, um, you know, where I'm I'm not necessarily focusing on a movie, and uh, I just like hearing the the sounds. And, and it's it's the <laughs> actors that make the movie for me. The storyline and the movie, the cinematography is is not all that good. Um, but the 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 Irish uh, accents, uh, you know, uh, whether they're fabricated or, or uh, slightly exaggerated or not, um, they they make for a very fun movie. In, in, in my opinion, I don't know how anybody could uh, not at least kind of get a few chuckles out of it. I don't know. And if you're if, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, you get to see Norman Reedus in it too. So that's kind oh, of exactly like an early <laughs> well, role. Lots of people I like in it, so. Um, I will watch it, then I will let you know what I think about it. Yeah, you should. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'll wait uh, uh, eagerly to hear how you... We're <laughs> <laughs> watching after this tonight, then. For number eight for me. Number eight for me, I went to the, I went to the future for my pick. And uh, what I like about it, it's, it's one that's, is a, again, one that's not in the far, far future. There are futuristic aspects to it, but it's still, we still have modern tech, we still have cars and trains, but we also do have some flying bikes and cloning and, and these kinds of things. Uh, the film I watched is called The Island. Attention residents, welcome to the lottery spin. Jordan to Delta, you're moving out to the island. Transported to the world's last paradise. I think they're gonna kill you. I'm going to the island. There is no island! Two of our products have escaped. Do not let him get away! What was that? I don't know! But I want one. This summer. Tell me what's going on! They're gonna come looking for you! Good job! You're copies of people. Though one of them gets sick and they need a new part, they take it from you. I'm sorry, I'm not ready to die. From Michael Bay. I never did this before. The director of The Rock and Armageddon. Well, that tongue thing is amazing. I know you're new to this whole human thing, but backpacks for boys, purses for girls. Understand? We're not idiots. Well, excuse me, miss. I'm so smart, I can't wait to go to the island. Ewan McGregor. I just want to live. I don't care how. Scarlett Johansson. Don't draw me like it! The Michael Bay film, which I feel like there's always a little bit of shame when you say, I really like this Michael Bay film, <laughs> but I really like this Michael Bay film. This is when I watch it and I smile and I feel like, I feel like I'm enjoying this way more than I, I should for some reason, but in its defense, it, do, it, it does become very Michael Bay, but it takes its time to get there until, you know, it's about an hour. I feel like 
an hour plus until you get your first big Michael Bay action set piece. Um, before that, it's uh, it's an interesting so- story, I find, the way it uh, unravels and uh, gets told to you and you start learning things as you go along. Um, it's got a good cast, Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Steve Buscemi's in there, and he's always uh, you know fun to watch him do his thing. But yeah, there's some great action, but I think the idea of the cloning and how the cloning is used and and how these people are brought to believe that they're the real people. And it's just a film. I made my wife watch it. It's one where I always want people to see this and give this movie a chance. I don't hear, I don't hear it talked about a lot, but, uh, and I'm not sure if that's why, but I think it's a really good movie. I stand by that. I don't care what. Oh, no, I, I totally agree with you, Scott. Absolutely. I'll, I'll stand by you on that one too. I think it's a great film. Uh, it's uh, I watched that one in the theater and I remember it very vividly. Um, watching it in the theater because I thought, wow, this is a good show. Like, and and I think you're right. A lot of people don't give it a chance. Uh, and I thought it was a, a great movie. Like you say, uh, Steve Buscemi has a wonderful performance in it. Uh, there's there's a lot of really really good parts to it. I and I really like that aspect too, um, especially when Ewan McGregor's uh, I guess uh, real person uh, interacts with Ewan McGregor. Uh, the the clone of Ewan McGregor, I guess you could say. They have an interesting little uh, back and forth there. That's one scene I always remember. And, and I think, well, because he, he starts imitating his Scottish accent, actually. That's right. why I, he starts trying to imitate it. Why, why do you talk like that? I'm from Scotland. <laughs> <He's>, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just, I don't know. I, I really like the show. I, I like. I that. find it. Uh, I find it just a, of his movies. This one has uh, has story to it, and uh, a lot of his films maybe that takes a, a bigger backseat. You know, where these people are. You, as it starts, you're not sure what's happened to the world, but you're led to believe there's been some some disaster or some something has happened. There's been some cat- catastrophic event that's left most of the earth uninhabitable, and they they keep finding these survivors. They have to teach them skills again. And every so often there's a lottery where one person is chosen to go to the island, this last oasis that's uh, not been affected. And you learn a little bit more as the story goes. And uh, I, I really enjoy this movie. Yeah, me too. I'm going to have to give it a spin. I think I was now I, in fairness, I, I played defense in a recent episode for Armageddon, which is a Michael Bay film. Um, <laughs> but this was in the Transformers era. I, I have huge issues with the Transformers and be for another day. And maybe that's why I didn't, because I like those actors, especially Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor is one of my guys. He's just such a comforting presence in, in films. I'm always cheering him on, whether he's doing, you know, Expedia commercials right now. There's something soothing about his voice. And I, I, I I'm, I'm, going to likely watch this Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show that's coming up because it simply because of him. Uh, even though we're getting saturated with a lot of Star Wars TV shows, I, I believe in, in, in this guy so much. So uh, I, I don't see why I would have a hugely negative reaction um, to this movie. So I, I just haven't gone around to it. I, I can't say good or bad pick. I would just say I, I'm pick glad up. people are, are, you know, defending the movie because it, it did not do terribly well. And I, I, no. I don't think it was uh, maybe given that much of a chance. And so I think every movie should be given a came, chance. It came out at a weird time too, I think, if I remember correctly. It was a weird time uh, in movie releases for, and I think you're right, like it didn't do very good, but uh, it was a great show, I thought. I, I would give it, I would watch it if if I was you, Jason. I thought it was good. Like you say, Ewan McGregor, uh, McGregor is very... 
good in almost anything he does. And I'd, I'll watch that, uh, his new Obi-Wan series too. It seems very uh, interesting. Yeah, that was two, yeah, 2005 was the year. So you got a busy night, Jason. You got a lot of movies to watch tonight. Yeah, and it's a long one too. I think it's isn't it about two and a half hours? Uh, it'll be uh, yeah, two two hours six fifteen minutes. Yeah, I'm still trying to the recommendations you had from the comedy show. I'm still keeping caught up on some of those. So I'm trying to keep up with the podcast. It's getting harder and harder. So for my number eight, I, I decided to go with this this little known Italian American director named Brian De Palma. And <laughs> Saying it right. Uh, yeah, a, what, what was that name? The Palma is his name. <laughs> oh, actor. Oh. He might have a future in 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 action movies and so Tom Cruise. I'm connected to the Mission Impossible day. It's a movie called Mission Impossible. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. This is your mission. Should you choose to accept it, should you or any member of your IM force be caught? or killed, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. Ethan Hunt will be your point man as usual. Good luck, Jim. Simple game. Is he serious? Always. It's much worse than you think. We're being ambushed. Abort, that's an order. They knew, they knew we were coming. Do you read me? I don't care how he did it. I want to know why he did it. You're worried about me. Why you survived. I'm sure we can find something I have that you need. These guys are trained to be ghosts. Let's not waste time chasing after him. Let's make him come to us. Find something that's personally important to him and you squeeze. I remember liking it as an entertainment way back in 96, but I thought, well, it's okay. And there've been more colorful entries in the Mission Impossible Mm -hmm. series since then. But going back to this, each time I watch it and just watching what De Palma does with this material, it is so intricate and so interesting. And it was still where they had the idea of the Mission Impossible team. It wasn't just Tom Cruise as much it kind of breaks off after this film happens so i probably back in the day would have said i enjoy two more than the uh, of the the first few films but at, at this point i think i really enjoy this original one from 96 very well directed great cast john voight scott thomas and uh and among many others so quite quite enjoyed it so that was my number eight i watched the same film as you that day and uh this is where i break your heart i'm not a big fan of the first one i, I enjoy the series um I decided to go back to the beginning to rewatch that one. And uh, I think maybe it's 
I don't know, maybe it's the, the plot gets more convoluted than it needs to at times. And uh, I just feel like it, it doesn't have the action set pieces as the ones following. They kind of get bigger and grander. And awesome. then they have this one big action scene at the end, which is so over to the top with the, you know, the, uh, the airplane and the train tunnel. And, and it just seems so out of place from the rest of the movie where it's, uh, it's so it's jarringly different. I found, but um, I, I'll have to give it another try. I think I was just uh, maybe just wasn't in that that mood that day. Here's my take on it. Most of the film is De Palma and the climax is Tom Cruise as the producer and Paula Wagner is producing partner where he was starting into like, what can we do? And each movie has like, how can we push the stunts and how can I push myself more and more? And so I, I guess if that's what you're looking for in the Mission Impossible movies and and I, I like, I, I don't think there has been a Mission Impossible movie I didn't like, but I, I just think sometimes people forget about that original and that's why I'm, I'm bringing it up. It's, I mean, it's number eight, it's not number one or something like that. I, I think they're, you know, I've never ranked all of them myself and some of the later ones have kind of blended together for me. So I'd almost have to kind of separate mm-hmm. them a bit, but I remember kind of the, the first ones, the like the first three were just wildly different in style. The J.G. Abrams one seemed to calm things down. We had John Woo in the second one and De Palma. And I think the ones after that, it started to become what the movie franchise is. Yet those entries aren't as distinct because they didn't have those very good directors, but not like the A-level uh, auteurs uh, that that were responsible, at least for the, the first three films in the uh the franchise there and so i just i think sometimes i i forget details of mission impossible and that's i uh, again right day right time other times i've watched it i i haven't had as as positive a reaction as i did uh this time so no there's there's 37 of them so it does get hard to <laughs> separate them after a while the one where he was shouting at the crew about uh covid protocols yeah he, he seems like a real joy to work with i i don't know i i uh, <laughs> I, I actually know people who have worked with him and said he's great i'm know? sure he is you know what i'm sure he is you you know what a lot of those stories i'm sure get embellished and, and blown up to be more than than they really are, you know, like, uh, or, you know what, sometimes it's one side of the story, right? You never hear the other side of the story. Maybe there is very good reasons why, uh, you know, he was blowing up on people. Well, he, he didn't want the, a major movie industry and a very expensive film to be shut down. And yeah. he had there that responsibility yeah. for the production. Uh, this yeah. isn't Christian Bale yelling at a cinematographer because he's having a bad method day. I, I think <laughs> well. he, he was genuinely concerned about the health and safety of the people on the set, and yeah. he didn't want this very expensive Mission Impossible movie to be shut down, and thereby saying, like, whoa, we're not going to risk making movies for movie theaters anymore because it has become such a hard sell because everything is going to streaming and TV now. So, yeah. um yeah, well, for I, sure. Well, it's I, very. I would, I would uh, assume there was very good reasons why you know, like that. There's a lot of money tied up in that, and like you say, to shut down a large production like that at a time like this would be detrimental. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, All right, so about Tom Cruise's outburst. We should be on your number seven pick there, Sheldon. I I like Tom Cruise to be quite honest with you. I think I think he's a great actor. I always like Tom Cruise as an actor. Um, his his politics and his uh, personal uh, beliefs are 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 kind of um, uh, a, a little bit out there for for me, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, to say the least. But um, he, you know what? He's talented at what he does, and and. Uh, that really doesn't his his beliefs and his uh, personal life 
really doesn't have very much to do with his performance uh, in in the in the grander scheme of things, uh, you know, as a, as an actor. So I I always like the Mission Impossible movies. To be quite honest with you, I don't know if I've ever made it through the first one. The first one to me, like I'm kind of like Scott. I, I I didn't really think think the first one was. I, 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 you know, like this is one, like, yeah, I'll, I'll break your heart a little bit, Jason. Like, it, I honestly, I kind of fall, <laughs> fell asleep during this one, like many times. It's the movie for me that I'll try to watch it. And I just, every single time, I think I fall asleep um, near the end. I, I'll get to about two thirds of the way through the movie. And then the last part of it, I don't think I've ever seen the ending of, of the first one, but I've seen <laughs> all the other ones, you know, like, and I, there's I actually, a train and a, and, and a helicopter, a helicopter and yeah. things that, that would never happen in real life happen. And there's so much great action and you're missing in the third act there. So I know, I know I, I enjoy all the other movies, you know, um, yeah. they're, they're, it's maybe not my favorite franchise, but, uh, like the second one, like I think I wrote on Facebook there when we were uh, doing this one that night. It's got a wicked soundtrack. The soundtrack, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> great soundtrack. I, I think I watched that movie. Actually, that one does sort of strike a chord with me, the second one, because I watched that movie at sundown, uh, the sort of the last drive-in theater that existed around here before it was shut down. And oh. uh, I watched that one in the back of my 1989 F-150. So that was that. that, yeah, that yeah. I like that. Uh, if I was to to pick one in the franchise, I'd go with the second one. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. I have I have a lot of good memories of the second one as well here. But yeah. I decided to watch the first one again that day. So what's what's your number seven? Number seven. Uh, try to make this one uh, sort of short. I don't I don't know very much about the movie. I know I know a lot about the subject that the movie is based on um, as a history uh, teacher, but. Um, as well, but I don't know very much about the, the movie itself. I read a little bit about it, but I believe this one was from the night where we had to pick a movie that comes from outside the USA. And to be quite honest with you, I don't watch a lot of foreign films. I watch a few, but it's 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 rare for me to go out and seek a, a foreign film to watch. If somebody tells me it's really good, you know, watch this one, I might check it out. But this one has been around for a very long time uh, for me, which is Dust Boot.
the the classic Das Boot. Um, and yeah, it's an interesting movie. Um, it's of course it's told from the perspective of a U-boat, a, a crew of, of uh, a U-boat during World War II, a German U-boat. Um, so it's an interesting perspective how it's shown from an access power, right? It's not the stereotypical allied sort of uh, World War II movie that you would see produced, um, which, you know, and, and there's, you know, maybe some good things and bad things about that. And But I never felt that a movie like this was made to glorify anything that, uh, you know, an Axis power like Nazi Germany did during World War II. It was simply made to represent a time period, right? And, and, um, you know, sort of represent what the world was like back then um, from maybe as close to a primary source a movie can be for for a time period like that from the perspective of uh you know what most people uh would consider the enemy of of world war ii you know and and you can talk about a lot of things you can talk about german persecution that's happened since then but because of of all of the 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 things surrounding world war ii but it's just it's a really good movie you know there's some interesting scenes that you know there's one where they show a party the the german party and i don't know it really brings a, a level of uh sort of humility to uh, what that war must have been like. And it, it shows, you know, a German uh, U-boat crew that's having a party before they get shipped off to uh, go and sink Allied shipping. And just a really, really good movie. I, I've always liked Dust Boot. It's got some good action in it when uh, they get uh, depth charged multiple times by uh, British uh, destroyers that are above. And uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's a... A great war movie. I enjoy war movies. I, I, I like that it's got a sort of a connection to uh, to Beer Fest, <laughs> to one of the <laughs> uh, movies, because of course <laughs> the main guy is in both movies and he actually talks about uh, they, they get to back to the U.S. Uh, in Beer Fest on a, a submarine. And so he says one of the quotes is, I had a bad experience once. <laughs> I don't like these submarines. I don't like these U-boats. <laughs> I was going to say, my, my biggest memory of Das Boot is probably from Beer Fest and, yeah. <laughs> and chanting at Das Boot, Das yeah. Boot. <laughs> well, there's that too, of course, for sure. Uh, but, uh, that makes that connection with uh, uh, that actor also much better. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a great show. I'd, I'd uh, recommend it. it uh, you know, of course, it's a, a sensitive topic when you're talking about uh, World War II and, and Nazi Germany, but uh, it's uh, definitely a, a movie that's uh, worth checking out. No, I'm a big fan of, of uh, non-English speaking movies, but I need to add another three hours to my watching tonight because uh, that's another <laughs> that's one that I have not long. watched. And I love Wolfgang Peterson, the director. He came over to the U.S. and made uh, some... Uh, some very good films. Um, right. And, yeah, and, I, and the length is an issue for me. I mean, I said Drive My Car was on my top 10 list for this past year and a few years ago. Three-hour NC-17 French film, Blue is the Warmest Color, was my choice for the best movie of the year. So it's, it's, I just, for, for whatever reason, just Dust Boot I've not seen, and I've heard it's an absolute classic, so I, I need to get on that for sure. Yep. Yeah, so some of these long films you can watch at night, and it's you know if you doze off during a foreign film, 
you're lost because <laughs> I've done that before where I had subtitles and I just closed my eyes for a bit and I realized, Oh shit, I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> that's, one thing I, just relax, but... that's one thing I like about this one. Um, this one, I totally agree with you. Most foreign films uh, for sure. This one's I think dubbed in English. It's actually, it's interesting. It, it was okay. uh, filmed in German, you know, so like they're all German actors and it, it's filmed in German, but it's dubbed uh, in English too as well. Um, and I don't know enough about the movie to tell you if if it was uh, the same actors that did it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, no, I don't think so. But a very very interesting uh, recording how they've done that with without subtitles. So yeah, I would not be watching it unless it had subtitles. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you I can do turn them, turn them on, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do prefer usually. The original language and reading the subtitles on foreign films. The exception I always say is Japanese films. Me too. Uh, yeah. the, the the crazy zany out there, colorful, violent Japanese yeah. films. Those ones specifically because they're so crazy already. The uh, the English dubbing just adds to the experience for some reason. <laughs> I find it makes yeah. it even stranger. It, it it works for the the, the movies that inspired Tarantino's Kill Bill, and I also like it. I've grown to like it as far as the spaghetti westerns as well, where everybody was speaking 19 different languages on set uh, and it was dubbed into every language in the world type of thing. Those Sergio Leone movies. Um, I've, I've, well, sometimes there's a, a false note here or there. I, I, I've grown to accept that, but on the whole, I, I do prefer the original language for, uh, for most movies, but. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. So I hit number oh. seven for me. Yeah. So uh, this one was kind of on the free the free square on the bingo sheet, kind of uh, any chapter of any franchise. Uh, so for that, uh, my second appearance of Keanu Reeves on my list was when oh. I watched uh, the first John Wick. I'm up. I'm up. Like that, huh? Nice ride. Thanks. How much? Excuse me. How much for the car? She's not for sale. You have good day, sir. Daisy. I lost everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Jonathan. You got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out to pull you back in. It's personal. Where'd you get that car? What does it matter? It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. The nobody? But nobody. No, just sorting some stuff out. Task your crew. How many? As many as you have. Hey, John. I thought I'd let myself in. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. 
I'm not afraid of John Wick. Uh-huh. How good's your laundry? No one's that good. I thought not. So, you know, sometimes you have a movie with a complicated Mission Impossible plot about double-crossing this person and uh, stealing this for this reason and, and you don't know what's going on. Sometimes you just want a simple revenge story yeah. and, and that's what you get here. Just a, a badass revenge story where uh, John Wick kills people and that's that's the movie for 90 minutes or or however long it is. But th- the way it's done, it's uh, it's very violent and it's just kind of flashy. It's stylish. It's got a style to it. Uh, I do find it interesting that there's almost a prequel there in, in there somewhere where we learn about who how, who he was before he became, you know, before he put all of this past behind him and uh, lost his, his girlfriend and then lost his dog and eventually went back to his old ways. And, uh, you know, the, the other guys call him the boogeyman. But if you just want to see Keanu Reeves in a suit killing people, this is the movie to watch. Going back to the reference to Pulp Fiction, the adrenaline shot that is given to Uma Thurman, that's what the John Wick series has done for Keanu Reeves' career. Because after that, I think he, I'm not sure they would have done the latest Matrix and just the, the world has opened up for him again. And a whole new generation of people are loving Keanu. And I think they always did. But he was going through a of a phase where and I I actually appreciated what he was doing in this phase where he was he was taking on some roles as villains in some independent movies and he would show up in things here and there but he wasn't he was losing the leading man edge that he had kind of throughout the 90s and through the Matrix first three Matrix films there and John Wick reminded people how good he is as an action star I think they're going to keep making lots of these uh, John Wick films I've only watched two of them but I enjoyed both of them immensely yeah I, I really really like the John Wick movies I'd agree with you totally. They, they've um, been, I, I think they're the best action movies that have come out for a very, very long time. There's a sort of a little clip that I show um, my drama students when I'm uh, teaching stage combat and it's going through some of the rehearsal that Keanu Reeves did um, for the first John Wick movie. And like, it's all of these guys who are huge stunt uh, coordinators and stunt artists in the industry and they just have nothing but good things to say about Keanu Reeves. And they talk about how he's the first one at rehearsal. He's the last one to leave. He works hard, very, 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 very hard to do the things that are shown in the movie. They say like he does most of his stunts. He took driving lessons and, and all uh, kinds of stuff to, to do the sort of driving that you see in John Wick. I'm sure he's taken many driving lessons over the years, but he specifically kind of retrained himself, I think, to, to do some of that stuff. And like they say, you know, when you see uh, John Wick driving that car, it's Keanu Reeves driving the car, you know, right. and doing the crazy stunts uh, that you see in the movie. But yeah, it's just, I, I love John Wick. Great, great shows. I, uh, the, the Baba Yaya, uh, I think is, is what they call him, right? The, the boogeyman, Baba, Baba. Yeah. Baba something Yaya. like that. Baba Yaya. Yeah, really, really good show. I, I, I kind of like that uh, sort of Eastern European connection too. When they get into the later movies, they, you of course see uh, his, sort of i guess background and where he came from is to a certain extent you kind of walk past uh the training regiment with the the guys uh you know doing judo moves and it's just a really really interesting story of that character i really love it yeah okay yeah i haven't got that far into it uh yeah so yeah i'll be looking forward to getting to, to the rest of them 
So I try not to spoil it for you. I, I didn't really give that anything good. in a serious way there. <laughs> but yeah, they give some interesting ideas too, like the uh, the phrase dinner party for 12 or, you know, where they have guys that come clean up the messy mate or the hotel for hitmen kind of idea. It's one that I, I get really excited about. And after it's over, I just feel kind of pumped up and I, I just want to go and like kill 30 people or something. <laughs> no, not really. But, <laughs> but like that, this is an example of, you know, he kills more people in the first 20 minutes than any Friday the 13th movie. And always in the head, always in the head. He always shoots people in the head. If he hits somebody in the chest, he makes a, a point to go up and shoot them in the head too. Yeah. But it's still the body count is huge. Yeah, John Wick will never be criticized or banned. But Friday the 13th and all these horror movies, 80s onward, are morally corrupt and should not be, you know, given the time. So that's that's the, the horror movie fan hat who kind of resents that action can get away with a lot more stuff than horror can. That's absolutely it. But yeah, John Wick 2 was uh, was close to making my, my my list. That was the one I watched this month. Okay, number seven is uh, a movie that I've complained about, but it's not a complaint about the movie <laughs> itself. It is the idea that where we are right now, superheroes will take up not superhero movies will take up ninety five percent of the movie screens, and there were all these amazing movies in the month of. Of December of 2021, and this is one of them. But this was the only one that people knew existed. Uh, my number seven is Spider-Man: No Way Home, directed by John Watts. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. Watched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. From every universe. Hello, Peter. Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. You're not gonna take this away from me. Peter. You're struggling to have everything you want while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. 
They're starting to come through, and I can't stop them. I didn't watch it in theaters. Yeah, it's as good as advertised. There's a reason it made a billion dollars. It is, it is so much fun. It is one of the best Marvel movies, hands down. Sony and Marvel together in their legal disputes. They're trying to figure out who owns what. But, and it brought together the three, because I've always thought, like, why, why do we need all of these versions of Spider-Man? It explains that beautifully. All of the just wonderful actors that show up controversially all the great actors and, and you know we have Toby mcguire and we have andrew garfield and for molina and willem dafoe comes back all these wonderful things happen the reason this movie and i think this latest spider-man series has worked is actually zendaya i'm an enormous fan of this young woman i think she's the future of, of cinema i i've been this excited about a young female actor since uh, I first saw Carrie Mulligan in an education and even farther back to like, Natalie Portman. I, I, I'm excited to see what she does with her, her career moving forward there. So or, arguably between it and Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire one, one, it's between those two is my favorite Spider-Man film. Great entertainment, a lot of fun. So, and uh, I'm a Zendaya fan for for life, I'm, I started watching her TV show just because of my, I liked it so much, uh, which is very, very different. Spider-Man yeah. Euphoria is very, very different. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie as well. It's uh, and I think enough time has passed. Hopefully that that what you said isn't too spoilery, but uh, because a big part of that was the theatrical experience about uh, who else is showing up in this movie, and everyone was just tight-lipped about you know you knew some of the villains were coming back, but you weren't sure if it was everybody and. Um, it's just the whole the whole Marvel universe, what they've been able to do is quite amazing, really. Um, I mean, there's never really been anything quite like it. The Universal Monsters was maybe the only thing that came close. Uh, but just to have the time frame and how many movies they have, and they've actually created a, a universe where everyone's film relies on each other and they interact. And, and now it's stretched to TV series. And now you got to see absolutely everything for it all to make sense. And that was one thing. But now they're taking films from complete other trilogies that had you know no relevance to it but now that this this spider-man series exists in this world now and they and they pulled it off and it's a great it's a great time yeah yeah i totally agree it's a great movie um i always loved marvel movies um since they've been putting them out um i used to collect marvel cards when i was a kid i had marvel playing cards where you had all the characters on the card and it would list their powers and their wins and losses and <laughs> stuff like that um so yeah I'm, I'm a huge fan of comic book movies um you know not to say that they're all good they're not uh you know by any means um there's been some really really uh there's been some bad ones um for sure but this one's a really good one like like jason said i i really like the uh way that they tied everything together for me that's the best part of superhero movies of marvel movies and uh, DC movies, even um, <laughs> they've got some good ones too. Um, but I love how the stories interact with and how the characters interact with each other. That's the most interesting part of a superhero movie for me is how um, you know and the alliances that are formed and the good versus evil and and that's just the most uh, entertaining part is when you have uh, the sharing of stories from one to the other or the sharing of movies. And characters like they've done with the Avengers movies, 
and uh, like they've done with the Spider-Mans. Uh, so yeah, I, I loved it. It was crazy. And it it goes back to to the comics where they were like that as well. They would all appear in each other's comic stories. So now they're being able to to do this in in film version, and it's uh it's exciting because you you don't know who's going to show up. And uh, like you said, there's a, a Spider-Man trilogy that had nothing to do with this, and another two Spider-Man movies. And to see them all connecting, I mean, when you got three Spider-Man swinging webs around, that was like a like a Spider-Man nerd kid's wet dream to see that <laughs> eventually happen in in real life. It's like I'm seeing this. This is great. I love that. Yeah, and they all had different. Their different ways of uh, webs. They kind of made a joke of that. That was kind of funny too. They they all had their different web dispensers because uh, Toby's Toby's is genetic, uh, but the other ones, you know, of course they're uh, they're different. So yeah, and I, I it was an awesome awesome movie. Number six, Sheldon. This one probably should be another one that's higher on my list. But like I said, I'm a, I'm a very, very hard to make lists. I'm one of those top teners and stuff. So, um, but uh, one of the ones I can't remember actually which day it was. I think it was any of the Indiana Jones movies. I believe was the actual theme for that day. Because um, I think Jason, you watched. Uh, you watched a different one than I watched. I watched Temple of Doom, uh, Indiana Jones' Temple of Doom. The old legend of the Shankara stones. The villagers' sacred rock was taken. Village stories, Dr. Jones. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. No, do you? Archaeologists were always funny little men searching for their mommies. Mummies. I think was, um, was that a night, uh, a movie that reminds you of childhood or something? I think maybe that. Oh, was Oh right, right. You know that's yeah. where, and and that's why that was a, a kind of an interesting coincidence because Jason picked an uh, Indiana Jones movie too, and and I I swear there was no. No uh, planning there. That was totally coincidence. But yeah, I, I picked Temple of Doom. That's right. It was a childhood movie. That's right. Yeah, just a great show. Um, I, you know, this movie is, of course, where you get the infamous scene that you see in a lot of uh, action kind of comedy movies that make fun of other action movies where you have the the big uh, rolling ball chasing the, the hero or whatever down, uh, you know, the... The cave or whatever that's that's the the kind of the highlight is when you see that rolling ball but there's just so many cool parts of this movie it's just it's endless the beginning i love the beginning of course i'm a drama teacher so i'm kind of a sucker for uh musical performances and 
So this one starts with a musical performance. They they have that song uh, "Anything Goes" and it's it's pretty good. It's it's kind of entertaining. They go into like a weird Broadway singing in the rain sort of thing where all of a sudden they're not in a nightclub in Shanghai anymore. Or, or I believe it's yeah. that's where it is. You know, all of a sudden they're on a huge sound stage and it's just da 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 Transition it's such a fun movie uh, to start. Yeah, I've always with. always had a fondness for that movie too. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, and it gets better. It just get it it takes it up from there. Uh, you know, like like Scott says, it's always been one of those movies. You just it's always been a one that's had a special place in my heart. Uh, seeing Dan Aykroyd and his what I would consider a very I don't know it must have been improvised uh, British accent <laughs> that he tried to pull off. He had a little cameo where he, he got Indiana uh, Jones onto the plane, of course, that uh, eventually uh, runs out of gas and crashes. Um, but yeah, the, the, just, I don't know. There, there's something about that movie. I can watch it again and again and again. I, it's just so much different from any of the other Indiana Jones movies. I think that's what I like about it the most is it doesn't follow sort of the same. You don't hear anything about his dad. It's a, a, a portion of Indiana Jones's life that's sort of missing from the story. And it sort of explores that little piece that, that sort of is missing. And actually, I used to watch the uh, Indiana Jones TV series that uh, was out in the 90s. I really loved that, too, because it sort of went into the origin stories of Indiana Jones and the character. Yeah. I don't know. That's sort of what I, I guess I love the most about that one. Yeah, it always grabbed me a bit because uh, even as a kid, I was, I was, you know, I was into horror movies as well. And this one kind of dabbled a little bit in there as well with, uh, you know, pulling out of the beating heart and uh and even the gross stuff where they're eating the monkeys monkey brains and the stuff in the temple but these indiana jones movies they go from one little action scene then they build to another one and it's you know all the way to the one that i always remember as a kid was the minecart when they're you know the big minecart race it seems like it's a roller coaster more than you know who would actually design a minecart to do this but <laughs> but it, it's just so much fun all, all of those movies and temple of doom was one that it seemed like that was my favorite when i was a kid and it was none of my friends favorite but uh i, I really dug it yeah, yeah. <laughs> i ended up watching last crusade during the month but that was on uh different there was steven spielberg day i think but uh i'll get behind the uh, temple of doom all the time there's a lots of lots of overlap with the themes sometimes and with spielberg having directed four of them of the indiana jones movies there i always yeah i've always enjoyed temple of doom for sure it, it to me it, it did strike a darker note i think than raiders oh, yeah. of the Ark, even though raiders had some some dark scenes in it for sure but not to that level and it was when i got older i started to hear about the criticism of that one as far as the trilogy for years and it was kind of the the ugly red-headed stepchild of the uh, series until the uh, Kingdom <laughs> of skull came along and it, it it totally was like please give us temple of doom so, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that definitely awesome. took the new dark horse uh, of the series the, yeah. the crystal skull and i don't i don't know how indiana jones 5 is going to go there's spielberg is not directing it so and harrison ford's is he, he he's getting up there so i don't <laughs> don't know what 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 this is going to be like i'll buy my ticket and i'll go see it because i just um, i'm excited for another indiana jones movies and 
it hasn't been saturated as much as Star Wars has, I guess, with all the yeah. extra trilogies and the TV shows. Even though back in the day there was the young Indiana Jones TV show that was on, on a regular basis too. So I think that's the only thing they ever did uh, besides the movies, right? It was no. that one little TV series, and it didn't last. It didn't long. last long. No. no. No, and it really it didn't have a whole lot to do with uh, kind of the the main people in the. Not really. It it showed him during like the war era and and uh, like the first world war, I believe it would have been. And uh, I don't know. It, it you know what? In all honesty, it might not have. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. It might not have followed the story very well, but fun to watch. Number six, Scott. Going back to World War Two, it's not quite as it's not quite Das Boot. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. Ten hot eyes forward. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Ray, and I need me eight soldiers. We're gonna be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. We're gonna be doing one thing, one thing only. Killing Nazis. Yes, sir! Members of the National Socialist Party conquered Europe through murder, torture, intimidation, and terror. And that's exactly what we're gonna do to them. We will be cruel to the German. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. They will find the evidence of our cruelty in the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies of their brothers we leave behind us. And the German will not be able to help themselves from imagining the cruelty their brothers endured at our hands and our boot heels, and the edge of our knives. And the German will be sickened by us. The German will talk about us. And the German will fear us. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They need to be destroyed. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. Nine, 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 nine. Sound good? Yes, sir. Good choice. Man, I love this movie. Uh, it may not be just a flat-out action movie. It's not action-packed. But the scenes with action are just so intense and, and blam, blam, quick. Sudden bursts of intense, violent action. Uh, but before that, there's so much tension. I find this is maybe one of his most uh, tense movies. Um, you know, who would have thought a subtitled scene talking about milk would, would have you like leaning forward, just like, Oh no, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? But there, there's so many scenes in here that I, I just love. And, and when it does explode, like the, uh, the rendezvous in the basement pub in, uh, you're just waiting. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, and they're playing games they are playing, who am I, you know, with the card on their forehead. It's like, and that's what Tarantino does. It's like, no, he doesn't take scenes out of his movie. It's like, this is the scene. This is what happens before the scene that every other movie would show you. But I mean, Brad Pitt, I think, uh, I really enjoy his performance in here. He's not the, the Brad Pitt. You usually see, you know, him with his, uh, his Italian accent, just saying, buongiorno. <laughs> cracks me up each time. <laughs> he knows the most Italian out of the group. Because yeah. <laughs> basically, buongiorno. <laughs> Arrivederci. <laughs> oh, that's right. You got that one too. <laughs> and, and and this with his hand. But uh, <laughs> but I made my wife watch it with me as well. She's not really into Tarantino as much. And I find maybe that seems like it's common with 
a lot of females they don't uh, whenever i go to see his films in the theater there's a lot of guys there um maybe it's who's making films for i'm not sure but uh i think like, this one's pretty good come come and watch it and uh she gave a chance and and yeah we both it's a good movie even uh you know seeing where mike myers shows up in a strange role and uh, <laughs> it takes you a minute to say wait wait isn't that mike myers what's he doing here but uh tarantino does that where he sprinkles little odd casting choices here and there but uh yeah his uh that's funny you mentioned mike myers his his british accent was much better than, uh, <laughs> than the one from <laughs> temple of doom <laughs> much much better british accent there uh, than old old dan Aykroyd could put together but uh <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a great show in glorious bastards how can you how can you not like that one i would love if it was a little bit more but at the same time it would make it a completely different movie but if it was uh, a little if there was a, a fewer maybe swear words or, or scenes that you couldn't show to a, a you know a high school class or something that would be one i would love to show to a high school class because it's it's just such a cool movie but uh you probably wouldn't get away with it unless it was maybe a grade 12 class but um, yeah well of course then it wouldn't be a tarantino flick then exactly that's that's yeah. what i mean it would completely change it and it would make it not what it is and and uh yeah, that's a great show. Um, can't say enough about it. I, I could talk for hours just on that one alone. It's it's a great show. Me too, and I'll try not to review it, but a few things that I you, you brought up a point where those who try to copy Tarantino forget the, the bit where he is a patient filmmaker. He builds suspense through this silence mm-hmm. and this casual small talk conversation, and everybody knows something bad is going to happen. They don't know when yeah. they don't even know how and you have to wait and he makes his audience earn it and wait for it whereas a lot of the copycats will go straight to the violence and the language and and that's all it becomes uh it's not anywhere as effective as and he's as he gets older he gets more and more patient with his uh films there and a couple of acting shout outs uh this was introduced the world to this uh actor that not a lot of people had heard of uh from austria named christoph waltz yeah he's brilliant uh, yeah that's the first time i became aware of him and he's amazing in it and he won two oscars both in supporting roles in tarantino movies because it was only a few years later that django came out uh one of the unsung heroes of the movie is melanie laurent who's a, a a french actor and she's the the girl who escapes from the farm. And, Shoshana. And, Shoshana. Yeah, and and what a, what a wonderful actor! Great experience. Um, she had her debut as a uh, as a director last year uh, with a film that was at the Toronto International Film Festival that I really liked. And hasn't had a, she was in a movie called Beginners with Ewan McGregor and uh, Christopher Plummer as well. But I like. Uh, other other people got a lot of attention for that movie, but she is so strong in it, and he has created some really great female roles. But I would agree that there have been more males that have the like the worship at the feet of Tarantino as a filmmaker. I- uh, being one of them so that's and it may not be completely historically accurate but uh a large explosion in a theater <laughs> and just riddled yeah. with bullets and but it's one of our history teachers hates this movie because he had students coming up to him and saying <laughs> did you know that hitler died in paris in a movie theater yeah <laughs> and he's like what are you talking about and he he has been angry to all like tarantino has done this with 
history a little bit with a few films in recent times. Well, it's, uh, it's not a, it's uh, not a documentary. Uh, it's, it's a movie. For, yeah. <laughs> for my, for my there. Uh, but the fact that the kids that don't funny. get what Tarantino is doing, hopefully when they're older and their dr brain is fully developed, then they can sort of see what, what he was doing with that film and they would re revisit it and see what he, uh, the ultimate revenge fantasy coming through right there and that uh, the climax of that film. So, Well, there's there's a whole bunch of, like, uh, just to add last thing to that, there's a whole bunch of, like, as a, I, I teach history every once in a while, um, <laughs> but uh, I haven't got to do it very often, but there's a whole sort of pseudo-history that it, it's kind of like the what if sort of thing like what yeah. if this happened what if this happened right and there's like thousands of books uh i've read a few they're actually pretty good books yeah. um they talk about you know what if this happened during uh you know d-day or what if this happened and and during major events of world war ii how would history maybe look if you know these certain things were changed right so that's very much what that movie strikes me as is, is sort of one of those books but taken to the big screen and, and made awesome <laughs> and a, a lot of good movies have that that's their idea it's you're right what if this happened in in this situation and and here's a movie i i think it's a great film i love his use of, of uh title cards even just every now and then he'll just have this like 60s colorful tile screen on and some loud music and uh the way he does chapters is uh yeah. is great too but I, I i'm a big fan of that movie i think it's uh one of his best and I, here's where i'll go back on the kill bill thing if he hadn't have sort of developed his directorial prowess with kill bill and visual acumen i don't think inglorious would have happened but to me inglorious is combined all the great stuff he did early on with what he was playing with with kill bill and so that's why i think the evolution of him as a filmmaker is a kind of an interesting one yeah. and he himself in the dialogue declared that movie his masterpiece so going on to another uh, to me great director and this is where the female action director episode came in for my number six catherine bigelow but i went in a different direction than than uh, point break and this is uh, a couple of years before that i think an underseen and underappreciated vampire film called Near Dark. Give him a week to see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to theirs. I don't want to kill. He makes a kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. It's three hours short for a bus ticket home. You help me out. What are you on? Believe me, I told you. Just don't think of it as killing. Amen. Amen. Don't think at all. It's just something that you do night after night. It's only ever a question of time. Nervous? I would be too if I were you. Near dark. Be your boys falling in with the trouble. Check out time. Ah! 
some time, son. God damn, this is my family. Let him go. Near dark. Pray for daylight. The night has its price. Every time I see it, it is so creative and so much fun and the southern town this guy basically sees this attractive girl and and goes along with her and not knowing what he is in for and you know the the whole mythology of these vampires and what they do and the clever ways that they try to prevent any exposure to sunlight. I uh, and a wonderful cast and Lance Hendrickson and it is a horror movie and young Bill Paxton who's all over the place. He is so big in the best possible way in this film. But the the makeup effects, the look of it. I'm a sucker for these southern American kind of road movies which it kind of becomes but it's a bit of a love story as well. I, I could say maybe in the screenplay which he was also a co-writer on uh, there's a bit of convoluted idea of some way that you could cure your yourself from vampirism but uh, at the same time I'm grinning ear to ear from start to finish with this one and it is such an 80s movie but it's it had such an independent spirit to it nobody really was paying enough that much attention to Catherine Bigelow at the time, other than I, I think she was dating James Cameron. I don't know if she was married to him at this point, because a lot of the actors from Aliens ended up in this movie, mm -hmm. or a couple of them did, uh, and I don't think that's a coincidence. So, And of course, in late, later years, she became the first female director to win Best Director for The Hurt Locker, and very I mean, very deserving. It, it, it beating Glorious Bastards, ironically enough, actually, in that, in that way, but more importantly, beat James Cameron for Avatar, so I, I I just I, I just really I, I didn't grow up with this one. Uh, it was recommended to me, and it was a great recommendation. And I've watched it three times now, and I will return to it many times. So I know it was, I was accused of bringing in a few horror movies into my action April this time. This one was probably the lesser of the two in that, to that extent, but there's a lot of action in near dark as well. So um, yeah. I, I love it. So uh, I don't know if uh, I'm guessing Scott, you'll have seen it. I don't know. What oh yeah. I, you know, I, it's, it seems familiar, but I can't say that I've seen it for a very long time. But it does seem familiar. Uh, you know, I used to spend uh, hours in video stores, actually, just looking at, at video covers. And, and while well, you used to be able to rent, I think it was 10 videos for like seven days or something like that. I used to. So I, there's a good chance that I've seen it, but I just don't remember. <laughs> yeah, there's a bar scene that I don't think you could ever forget if you if you had seen it. So uh, <laughs> it is the that's the first thing that comes to my mind is that uh, the bar massacre. It's great, it's and you're right. It's it, the movie has a style, just a certain style to it. It's it's dusty and almost kind of a western feel a bit. Yeah, it's 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 really cool, and that's a hard one to find now uh, for a reasonable price. I got I got a nice collector's DVD of it, and if you want it on blue. Ray, there's a there's one out there where it looks like twilight on the cover and people ask for you know like 90 dollars for it crazy stuff but if you can find it it's, it's a great movie just a great director like uh, you know 
you can't say enough about uh, about her, really. You know, like she directed Hurt Locker, which was kind of a special movie uh, for me. You know, I, I I had a friend that I that was lost in Afghanistan, so it it uh, it was kind of always a special movie for me. And it and it really, I always tried to imagine what it would be like to be in that kind of a scenario, um, like you know, the uh, like a conflict in Afghanistan. And and I think that movie captured it really well. So I just uh, she's I can't say enough about her as a director. So I. I would give any movie that she's directed a chance just based solely on the fact that she's an awesome director. Uh, we're on to number five, I think. Sheldon, you're number five. Number five. This one. Um, so I believe this was The Day You Had to Pick One from 1985. Um, so I, I went with a, a James Bond movie. And I think I think Scott watched the same one, actually, A View to a Kill. I propose to end the domination of Silicon Valley. Project Main Strike. A secret plan. For which each of you will pay me $100 million. And a secret weapon. We're not sure about her. Name's Mayday. Someone will take care of you. Oh, you'll uh, see to that personally, will you? There's only one man who can stop them. Yeah, which was, uh, I don't know, 
I, I love Roger Moore. I think he was, in my opinion, he was the best Bond. I know I could start uh, multiple arguments uh, with that statement, but he, you know, he, he just always, for me, he uh, represented what I thought the character should be. Um, he was uh, very serious when he needed to be, and then he was very comical and entertaining uh, the rest of the time. So it was very much, I enjoyed watching Roger Moore just be the character more than I've enjoyed almost anybody else be James Bond. So that's why, I, yeah, and that's just a great show. It's It's got some great music in it. Uh, the beginning, Duran Duran, <laughs> just, it takes you right back to the 80s. And, you know, it's a great song. You know, the James Bond movies have always had relatively uh, famous people doing their intros. And, and and I always, that's the part of the movie I kind of love uh, the most is, is sort of the introduction. And A View to a Kill has got a really good one. It's got that really weird 80s vibe to it. Uh, and with the Duran Duran, it's just a perfect pairing. But yeah, great show. Uh, it's got a lot of cool action scenes in it. Roger Moore was getting, he was at the end of his career during yeah. this one. This was his last last go at James Bond, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, and you can definitely tell he, he's starting to look a little older in, in, in this one. And, and But, you know, God bless him for, for giving it a try. Uh, he was one of the older uh, James Bonds with the, to take the role. Like, he was one of the older uh, ones when he took over the role <laughs> with uh, Live and Let Die. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. He... he you, there's one scene where he has to jump and <laughs> it's it's maybe like a four foot drop or something like that and he has to jump and you can tell they had to put somebody in the scene with him Clearly not so him. that he can use him as a table when he jumps and he kind of steadies himself on uh, <laughs> on this other actor who is just this weird extra that they insert into the movie so that Roger Moore could do this scene where he has to jump four feet. <laughs> so it's a great show i don't know just it, it's a lot of fun i and uh you know you've got christopher walken too as well in the 80s christopher walken is definitely uh worth mentioning he's been in uh well he's been in uh, everything almost and uh I wish I could do a good Christopher Walken impression, but I can't. I, I, I had a buddy I went to uh, school with in university. His was perfect, but I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, and he was, you're right, he was getting older, but he's, and he still sleeps with everybody. Though. Yeah. <laughs> except, the, except the one really, there's one like super, it's, it's implied that she's like super young. And uh, they sort of make a joke of it, right? Because she says something like, uh, you're, you're driving me crazy or something to that effect. And Roger Moore's line is like, you know, I know how you feel or something. And it's, and it's very much directed as kind of like a sexual uh, sort of thing at, yeah. at, at the younger sort of starlet. But, but you're right. He, everybody else in the movie, he, he, he sleeps with. Yeah. And even take, even <laughs> takes Grace Jones in there. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It absolutely. Just, yeah. Just, absolutely. just to prove a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I found that kind of combo. I, I really felt like watching an Austin Powers movie later in the month. And I think that's because I watched uh, this James Bond movie. It just got me in that because there's so many scenes where you say, oh, okay, yeah, I see what that was a spin on this scene or, you know, the hot tub scene even. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there, there's a lot of silliness with the, the James Bond films, especially back in that era. But uh, <laughs> but they're, they're fun too. Pre-Viagra, James Bond, I guess. <laughs> I think he was in the 60s. I'm sure he was in the 60s when he was in that film. So uh... he, he was, yeah. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure 
Yeah, he was like I say, he was up there, and even Sean Connery, like Sean Connery, took a break and then he for a couple movies, and then he came back. I mean, he was a little bit older when he came back, but I don't think he was nearly as old yeah. as, as Roger. Old old Roger definitely uh, gave it the old uh, college try there. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, but you know what? I love him. I love him to death. He, he you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, God, God rest his soul. He was a great actor. I, I love Roger Moore. Got your number five. Hit, hit number five. Well, you spoke about its sequel, so I will speak about the original RoboCop. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you RoboCop. Good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. All Detroit has a cancer. Cancer is crime. Let the woman go, you are under arrest. You, you better back up, pal! Your move, creep. What are your prime directives? You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. What is this shit? Anything you say may be used against you. He's a cyborg, you idiot. You recorded every word you said. You're dead. We killed you. His memory's admissible as evidence. You're gonna have to kill it. For God's sake! Robocop, the future of law enforcement. I love, love, I feel like Robocop is everything I want in a movie. It's just, it's kind of, it's kind of trashy a little bit. It's, uh, and it's really bloody and, you know, it's got some stop motion animation, you know, effects that uh that kind of charm me that's it just works just everything from the title i was as a kid i was sold on the title it's robocop already i've already i'm in and it before i see it it's my favorite movie because it's called robocop i don't know it's just one of those films that grab my imagination and uh it's just a such a joy to watch it's almost not quite trauma but uh you know it kind of close in that aspect you know if you watch the director's cut just how much uh yeah you know, is in there, you know, some of the effects are, are better than others. You got that, the melting guy at the end, which was always a, a highlight. You know, I think we may have wore out VHS tapes before just rewinding that scene over and over again. You know, now I got it, you know, a nice steelbook Blu-ray of it where I could just watch that scene over and over, but I just love the whole movie. This is uh it's what I want in a movie. That's kind of my, my go-to uh, type thing. Well, I, I, and I also like that. I mean, practical effects still. I mean, yeah bringing up that this is pre-digital and now i mean i know that I've, i haven't seen the remake of robocop i didn't hear great things about it but uh there's just some so much creativity and craftsmanship connected to these films and yeah it is a, a somewhat controversial in the amount of violence and yeah i i did recently watch the director's cut of it too and but it's it is entertaining. I mean, it's like running into this thing with the show, the entire history of the show. You could have your arms crossed and be really offended by everything that you're watching, like everything mm -hmm. you were watching. 
or you can sit back, relax. And if this is not for you, don't watch. I, I happen to enjoy RoboCop quite a bit. And I, it was a little bit later for me uh, watching these RoboCop movies. I, I okay. didn't grow up. I always heard about them, but I didn't grow up with them. And I always felt like I need to watch them in order type of thing. So uh, Yeah, and, and once you watched it, you thought, damn, if only I was 17 watching this, that would have been, yeah. would have been amazing. Yeah. like, whoa, whoa. That'd be life-changing for sure. So Yeah, no, they, so, were, they were great movies, the RoboCops. Uh, my favorite part was his, his holster and his leg. That was the coolest thing when, it, when I was a kid, was watching his, his gun come out of the leg like that, and you'd put it back. And Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, RoboCop, it, you can't go wrong. It's totally a classic movie. It's where you feel safe with the guy. It's like, I mean, he's actually, you know, a legit it's, moral character, and it's going to be pretty difficult to stop him. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you find yourself cheering. I, I mean, I'm not sure about executing everybody, you know, if it's a crime, but at the same time, you're just like, while you're watching the movie, yeah, like they, some of these guys deserve what they get. So, uh, yeah. and the thing is, it's, it's kind of silly too. I mean, it, the, uh, the idea, you know, part machine, part cop, it's, uh, yeah. or part man, part machine, all cop is the tagline, oh, but yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, how he didn't die in that first scene, I'm not sure, but, no. uh, <laughs> just filled him full of bullets but yeah i mean peter weller had this certain way he walked in the movie too which i always just loved and emulated as a kid just you know the way he would like turn his head first and then his body would follow the same direction just little things like that but uh, when i was watching it for this uh this month i got to the part near the end where the bad guy gets the toxic waste spilled on him and his skin starts peeling and dripping off and my son came down at that exact moment and and his eyes were glued to the tv he's like what is this i'm saying this is robocop he goes this is robocop he's looked and says okay this looks awesome and that's all he did because i i watched the remake with him when he was younger uh the difference is the remake did not go r the, the remake is definitely pg maybe pg 13 um so that uh they kind of lost a little bit of the robocop spirit i think not going full full hard r but he was younger so i let him see that when he was young he's so ready for the, the beyond r rated one i think, you know? <laughs> I yeah. think so <laughs> okay I'm, I'm i'm going for a hard r for number five as well and it's my turn and i'm i think we're covering a good spectrum of quentin tarantino's career here <laughs> nice. uh, this is a quentin tarantino day i was planning to only watch one movie that day i was wasn't sure and then i couldn't help i did watch two it was it took a lot for me not to put both on this list but I decided to go with his first film as a writer, direct first feature length film as a writer, director, Reservoir Dogs. Put the gun down! Hear your names, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? Who cares what your name is? Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You're Mr. White. You have a cool sounding name. Let's go to work. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling of something. What happens if the manager won't give you the diamonds? Cut off one of his fingers. The little one. I'm just scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. If they hadn't done what I told them not to do, they'd still be alive. It's so hard to keep this mouth on my face. You're acting like a first-year thief. I'm acting like a professional. And your family Taking out some stupid money. No choice at all. Bam. 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 Bam.
Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi, Lawrence Tierney, and Michael Madsen. They're the Reservoir Dogs. Hey, Joe, want me to shoot this guy? I've reviewed it on the show, and you can like listen back to that uh, that episode on, on criminals uh, with my friend uh, Carl Smith. I feel like I was pretty hard on Reservoir Dogs, just feeling like I had to, you know, when I love a filmmaker or whatever, I had to put a little bit of an extra expectation uh, in that review. But there's no doubt it is an independent movie classic. They made it for next to nothing, gathered up this cast. Harvey Keitel was very much responsible for rounding up these people. They had all had criminal records. So there were some really, really like actually dangerous actors on this on this set, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, and 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 yet um, it, it it works so well. It's got a few more. Uh, you can see like the camera's a little bit more static than it has been in his later films. I uh, it, it in fact uh, back when I was in the university, they put on a a play version called Dogs. And it does feel a lot like a play in some in some regards. Yeah. Even we do get flashbacks in some of we never see the bank robbery, which is brilliant, but we see immediately after it and all the planning of it, uh, and just the playing around with structure, which he then perfected in Pulp Fiction a few years later, is all there. My personal favorite, everybody kind of goes for Steve Buscemi that this was the big role, and it did kind of make his career. But Michael Madsen. Is Mr. Blonde is yeah. one of the most Unhinged. interesting performances ever in a Tarantino film because we hear all of this crazy stuff about this guy, and then he he shows up and he's sipping this drink and he's as cool as can be, and we're like, what on earth is Kaitel getting so upset about? Like this guy is is fine. In fact, he's he's calmer than the other two who end up like beating each other up and panicking, and then we get the scene. Uh, Stuck in the middle Stuck with in the you. middle with you. Yeah. Made that song come back. Uh, and and we get to see at the time, uh, it was one of the most violent scenes in the history of film. Now I, I don't think it has the same impact, unfortunately. But I, but I I I love Reservoir Dogs. There are always some mysteries around it. I think like who shot Nice Guy Eddie is one of those uh, one of those mysteries and in uh, in the climax of the film, but I, I would never steer away people from seeing it. Very rewatchable. I've watched this. I'm not sure it's been a thousands of times like you stated yeah. earlier about Boondock Saints. <laughs> I have watched Reservoir Dogs a lot, and probably 600, maybe I'd say, <laughs> but not quite. Don't be crazy. <laughs> and it's 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 a tight movie. It's not it's a it's, not it's short. A yeah, in uh, the canon of Tarantino. Uh, it had to be on the list, and it had to be high on the list. It's not towards number one. Uh, I know if I'd gone with some other Tarantino films, including Inglorious Bastards, that might have been a lock for number one. But I, I wanted to, uh, I just wanted to watch something kind of off of the, that wasn't that obvious um, that day. Um, and Dogs was it, so yeah. Yeah, you do see his growth kind of planted there, hey? Like you said, it's... Mm -hmm. Not a lot of camera movements, but just the style is there and uh, the dialogue opening up in the restaurant talking about like a virgin and why I don't tip and how much should you tip for a waitress and you know just that well, stuff like, that he does. It? Yeah. Yeah. The first time, first audiences at Sundance was like, what on earth are we watching? 
what are these guys talking about? You and know? then everybody wants to make the next Reservoir Dogs after that. And yeah, we're in college, and everybody's quoting that movie constantly. Yeah. And yeah, it made a mark. Yeah, yeah, no, that was that was another one. I had uh, the the poster with the 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 kind of lineup of them with their black suits walking down the the street. That was another one that that donned my wall during during my youth. Yes, I um, had one. Yeah, it was it was a great show. Yeah, you know, I I think actually I saw Pulp Fiction before I saw Reservoir Dogs, and uh, Pulp Fiction I sort of I fell in love with with Quentin Tarantino's sort of style, and then I I was kind of happy that it happened that way because then I went back uh, shortly after and watched Reservoir Dogs, and uh, you know it, it was like a weird sort of origin story of Quentin Tarantino, you know, like you say and. Uh, you know, the things that he developed in the, the filmmaking and the scene work. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll never listen to, to Stuck in the Middle with you in the same way after that <laughs> yeah, scene. Never. It's just, you know, uh, one of those things. And like you say, such a great performance. Uh, great performances all around. Um, I, can't, I can't remember his name, but uh, the guy who plays, uh, he's, he's an older actor. The one that that plays the guy that organizes the whole heist, uh, the older guy. I can't remember his name, uh, but I'll I'll never forget him. He's, he's for some reason he stands out to me because he was in a Seinfeld episode. He was uh, Elaine's dad, yes, I believe, oh. in, in Seinfeld. And yeah, I just I don't know that that sort I'll, of you know. I don't I'll know why. You, I'll give you a hint. Um, he's the guy I'm referring to. He he was a psychopath. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, people were scared of him for years. If somebody got out of line, Larry David threatened to bring him back. To the <laughs> and that Lawrence Tierney? Yeah, yeah I Lawrence think so. Tierney. And uh, Tarantino, I think there was one moment where Tarantino could have been knifed by him. <laughs> if he hadn't have, somebody hadn't intervened or shut him up. Uh, or something because he was talking too much and he was annoying Tierney and yeah the the, the guy was like a legit like good actor but a legit criminal personality <laughs> and at least at that time the sets he was on people were scared of this guy so uh, he you know he's long since departed the world but it was uh, yeah um, the humor is also just and it always is in Tarantino films. I, I can never, and I, I would ne never tell the lead up to the story, but the punchline of how would you feel every time you had to take a piss that you had to do a handstand? whole <laughs> 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 conversation in the car. Sometimes I forget how funny this movie is, and yet it was so dark and controversial oh, wow. and not what anybody had, had seen or expected from independent cinema. It, it really, to me, kind of led that what would be the independent movement in the nineties um, that, that, that group in 92 and Sundance and, and, and onward. And uh, I was glad to see, I saw dogs first and then to see the growth in a very short period of time of him as a filmmaker with Pulp Fiction, which is to me his, his, his best film and uh, always will be. It's, it's one of my absolute favorite films, the best written movie ever. So, and dogs had had that potential without the budget, I guess. Uh, and yep. special filmmaker. So uh, I, think we all, I think we all like him since we all mentioned him. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number four, Sheldon. Uh, number four, uh, this one was sort of, uh, to be quite honest with you, I can't remember which one this was from, but it was sort of a, 
uh, one that I looked back uh, to from sort of my my younger days, I guess. Um, it was Independence Day. miles and with themselves. Where are they heading? We should be entering our atmosphere within the next 25 minutes. which one that was um is it the alien might have been aliens i think it was aliens yeah i think it was yeah i i am pretty sure it was um independence day you know what um it, it's probably not like my favorite movie ever but um i put it on the list because you know i i like i say it brings back a lot of memories i watched it in the theater um in west edmonton mall back when there was a movie theater in the food court and it just brings back a lot of uh, good memories about going to Edmonton and going to West Edmonton Mall back when there was movie theaters literally everywhere. And I, I just used to love that. That was one of the things I loved about that mall was the uh, yeah the, the ridiculous amount of movie theaters. Uh, <laughs> it just, uh, I don't know, I loved it. I, I used to love going and, and looking at all the different movie posters because they would have them outside. They'd have the lights on and the little bulbs around it. And, uh, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah. Just a, a happy feeling, happy feeling movie. And that one, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it you can say what you, you want about the acting in that one. It's got some really good performances, I think. Like Jeff Goldblum. I, I love Jeff Goldblum. I think he's he's a great actor. And uh, I think he plays a very honest character in, the, in that uh, movie for the most part. And, you know, you, you can uh, talk about lots of different uh, performances in that one. But it, it was just, I, I thought it was... 
a movie that very much kind of changed the tone of how action movies were being made in the 90s. It seemed like at least for a few years after that, a, a lot of movies were um, not necessarily being made exactly like Independence Day, but they were sort of following a format that that one kind of laid out a little bit. Um, and, and you know, part of that was big special effects and, and uh, that kind of thing. And yeah, I, I think it was just part of that whole big special effects movement during the 90s. And I, it's uh, entertaining to watch. Good story. Just kind of a fun movie. Other than that, uh, there's there's not much to it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember uh, that was a big deal when it came out. It was yeah. uh, posters of that just everywhere. And uh, you, I think they had a good marketing scheme, if I recall. Just, they didn't show a lot about it. You just saw, you saw the White House blowing up, I think, in a lot of it. And, yeah. and everyone, everyone saw that and said, wow, how'd they do that? And everybody lined up and saw that film. Every bus shelter, I think, had that poster on it, too. Yeah. It brought back the disaster movies of, like, the 70s. And I mean, it led into like the Armageddon's and those movies a little bit later on, a few years later in the 90s. And yeah, I was one of the blockbuster. I, I remember seeing it in theaters too and thinking, this is amazing. <laughs> I haven't watched it in years. I have a feeling like the 40 year old 2022 version of me might be watching it and going, okay, maybe not as amazing as I thought it was when I was a teenager or whatever, but but I don't know that. I, I just haven't watched it in a few years. I remember it, it and I, I think I think Twister was the same summer as well, uh, and those were kind of the two big uh, yeah. summer releases there, and uh, yeah, so good, yeah, good memories. I'm also wondering if it was maybe the Jeff Goldblum day for you. I, it could have been, that's, yeah. Uh, Maybe that was, yeah, it could have been the Jeff Goldblum, yeah. There were a lot of these that that, that could have kind of gone uh, either direction. But yeah, I just, I really, it's a sort of a feel-good movie for me. That's why I picked it. Um, you know, it's got some actors in it that I just like watching, uh, you know, like Randy Quaid. He's just fun to watch. Cousin, <laughs> Cousin Eddie. <laughs> I, I, I mean, really, you know, and, you know, there's Judd Hirsch is in it, too, I believe. Yeah, uh, really you know, like he's he's just awesome. Kind of takes me back to the taxi days. Uh, he used to watch Taxi on rerun, I think, every day after school. <laughs> he'd come home and Taxi was on. Right. Uh, you know, so... Uh, just a great movie uh, in terms of its entertainment value, I think. Yeah. It, well, yeah, and yeah, Will Smith before he kind of ran out of uh, favorite people. <laughs> he was uh, he was in everything that was big back then too. I think yeah. he, he was bad in a thousand until Wild Wild West, really, with his summer yeah. releases. And yeah, yeah, he was he was printing money, you know, having him as the star of your movie. So well, and I believe he turned down the Matrix to do uh, Wild Wild West too, right? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I'll say yeah. uh, Jeff Goldblum was your reason for that movie because he was my right. uh, gateway to get into my number five pick, or I guess number four is okay. where we are, right? Yeah, Jeff Goldblum had a very memorable role in Thor Ragnarok. So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer, like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self-discovery. Where I met you. Where are we? You have no idea. Hello, the goddess of death has invaded Asgard. Oh, I've missed this. You and I had a fight recently. Did I win? 
the movie I chose to watch that day yeah. and uh, you know, he's not the main character, but he's, he's very, very memorable in it. And uh, every moment he's on the screen in that movie, he lights up the whole screen in a very colorful movie. And he just brings so much Jeff, Jeff Goldblum ism to it. Uh, and I find every sentence he says is absolutely hilarious in it. I, I enjoy this movie a lot. I, I, I remember liking it a lot and I rewatched it this time and uh, I realized I, I love this movie. Uh, I didn't want to fill my whole thing full of Marvel films. I could have, but uh, <laughs> this, they kind of made Thor one, one of the more serious Marvel characters into a, it's, this could be a full blown comedy. Really. Um, there's just so much humor in it and it's uh visually fun to look at. And uh, you know, again, you get the crossover, you get the Hulk in this one joining in on this adventure. And I mean, it's, it's a, it's a fun movie. This is kind of when uh, they, they realized uh, to kind of maybe make this character a bit more fun this way. And I think it was a wise choice. Um, Chris Hemsworth pulls it off. Uh, his, his character of Thor and uh, you got Loki. Everyone loves Loki, but uh, Jeff Goldblum was the glue that tied this whole, <laughs> this whole movie together for me is the grand master. I think he's called, right? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. That's uh, Jeff Goldblum was the best, I think part of that movie. I mean, I, I love the whole movie, but specifically because of his performance <laughs> in that movie, you know, and like you say, there's, there's every line that comes out of his mouth uh, is, is hilarious. And it, Oh, don't give me the melt stick. You know, <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, really, really funny. I don't know. He's one of those actors. He's kind of, I don't know. I never used to find him very funny. You know, like he wasn't very funny in, you know, Jurassic Park. He had some good one-liners, but I never really like laughed at, at, at what he was doing. Um, the Fly, you know, a great movie, great yeah, movie. Yeah. You know, but I, I never really laughed at what he was doing. Well, the, the fly's not super funny, but <laughs> no, no, it's not. You know, but uh, uh, but that's the thing. Like I think uh, in this movie, he sort of embraced that comedic side, and 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 that has he's sort of developed over the years and really showcased it. Uh, and yeah, that I don't know. 
Uh, he's hilarious. My favorite scene, though, he's not even in the favorite scene from that movie. It's it's his ship, though, is when they're getting chased and he, they're on his party ship yep. <laughs> that he uses for whatever. and For and, orgies, uh, I believe the word was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's got to be a there's got to be a gun on this ship and they press that button and it's it's your birthday <laughs> and all the fireworks go off yeah. that to me just uh is a perfect example of jeff goldblum's character in that movie is is all those fireworks going off and it, it's your birthday yeah, it was a lot of fun with the uh the the director they chose for for this movie as well um i, I hate saying his name because i always mess it up but uh what watiki what but uh yeah, Jason, you, yeah. you could say it better. I'm not sure I can. I I, I think uh, that's close, as close ta- as, ta- as, ta- as I what can t- what what TV? But uh, at any rate, yeah, he's he also does uh with the voice of uh Korg, the, right. the guy made out of rock, which is another right. fan favorite character in the movie. But uh, he he's got a great comedic sense. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan of his work as well. Tika Watiti. Yeah, Watiti. that's oh, closest. Yes, closest I can get. Yeah, I always struggle with that one, and uh, it's a hard Academy Award-winning writer-director. So, getting back to Goldblum for a second, I, I saw him interviewed once, and he's been interviewed by somebody where he had guested, was a, a guest actor on this person's TV show once upon a time, and he said, "Oh, oh uh, now uh, did I play a character or was I Jeff Goldblum?" <laughs> <laughs> and and the the person said, "I think you were I." You were a heightened Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I felt like Thor Ragnarok is a lot of Jeff Goldblum, but he's it's in the best possible way. I want to revisit it because I, I, I watched it on a day when I was I was tired or something. I, and I was so looking forward to it. I was watching all the Marvel movies in order and I said this challenge for myself. And I should have waited a day or something to, to see it uh, when I had a little bit more energy. So... I want to, you know, watch it again because there's some bits that I kind of was sleepy or missed or something. I I, I got all the fun that was connected to it. I enjoyed it for sure. But it's one I want to love because everybody loves Thor Ragnarok. So... Um, yeah, it's it's funny because I don't, I don't think when this universe started and we saw all these characters being developed that we thought eventually Thor is going to be the, the funniest one. I don't think we saw that happening, but uh, no. it looks like that's the way it went. Well, very much, yeah. Like the first couple Thor movies, they're they're kind of not in any way, shape, or form like like Ragnarok. Um, yeah, you know, they're they're much more serious. But then this one just, uh, I think what this one was sort of, I don't know, loosely based on, at least in terms of a, a format for superhero movies, was Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, because uh, it came out shortly after that, and yeah. uh, there was just such an uproar from Guardians of the Galaxy because it was. Uh, you know, it's got great music, it's funny, and you know, and, and it's entertaining. And I think that's what they tried to do with Ragnarok, and I and I think they succeeded. It, you know, it was all of those things. So I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, when you open up and close, also with uh, a big fight scene set to Led Zeppelin "Immigrant Song." Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you're right. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy started saying this is as much an action superhero movie as it is a comedy, uh, and they said, "Well, you know what? Let's do that." And you're right, color, music, add all of it. Yeah, it's, it's just, even if you turn the sound off, it's just a beautiful movie to look at. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going way back for my number four here, and this was a, a special edition from my collection was the theme that day. 
I decided to revisit revisit a movie I watched years ago, and I don't think I was at the right stage to fully appreciate it. And all the all these years, people talk about it so fondly. Watching it this time, I, I get it a lot more. It's the sting. You picked him clean. You never missed him. Remember that sting experience? How good you felt? Now, the sting. Winner of seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, is back. Chicago was the place to be in 1936. In those days, the big con was a dying art. Until a first-class grifter on the lamb from the FBI and a young gaffer from Joliet joined forces to con the big Mick. He's not as tough as he thinks. Neither are we. Paul Newman is Henry Gondorf. There wasn't a con he couldn't run. And there wasn't a sucker he couldn't gaff. Robert Redford is Johnny Hooker, a young grifter with plenty of moxie. Three grand on the red, Jimmy. But he's a sucker for Lady Luck. Tough luck, kid. And a sap for Lady Love. Thanks for the big evening, Hooker. Next time you want to spend 50 bucks on me, mail it. Robert Shaw is the mark. In the underworld, he's the big Mick. Name's Lonergan. Dylan Lonergan. It starts with the sun. You owe me 15 grand, pal. <laughs> then you bait the hook. Your boss is quite a card player, Mr. Kelly. How does he do it? He cheats. You play him on the wire. The wire's been out of date for 10 years. That's why he won't know it. Now he's ready for the sting. Let's get on it. Come on, okay. Listen to me. Don't go back to your place tonight. $500,000 to win. Lucky Dan. Paul Newman and Robert Redford. This time, they might get away with it. Directed by George Roy Hill, which I mentioned in our February show with Slapshot. And this was another collaboration with the great Paul Newman. And Paul Newman and Red, that they partnered up together. And it's about uh, about these con men and how they uh, get essentially uh, the, the villain character played by Robert Shaw in a really elaborate scheme. And it, it, is, it was just so entertaining. It, it, it has some action. It has a little bit of comedy. It's a clever screenplay. And I, I'm fully on board. For years, I was a little bit... This was a movie that beat out one of my favorite movies of all time for Best Picture, The Exorcist. Completely different type of movie. And I can see older members of the Academy going to uh, The Sting as opposed to The Exorcist, which was somewhat controversial and, and to this day is a very frightening film. But I, I, I'm now in a place where both movies are wonderful. They are not in competition with each other. They are both uh, classic films. And so I, I had a lot of fun uh, watching The Sting and it's uh, pretty high up here on the list. It, it kind of moved around a few places and it just ended up because it's just such a solid movie 
uh, towards the top of my list. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I, 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 had, I don't think I've seen that one. I've heard of it. Definitely you hear about Robert Shaw. Um, you know, we mentioned him. I always thought he was he was a very uh, gifted actor. <laughs> Jaws, yeah. I, you know, like, uh, what, what can you say about, uh, about uh, his performance in Jaws? It was uh, a masterpiece performance, I, I think. Um, like I know he he struggled, I believe, with with uh, you know some addictions and stuff like that. I believe, and there's some stories about uh, about some of his antics, I guess you could say, during some some movies. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, he he delivered when he had to deliver, and and I don't know. I would I would watch that movie just because it's got Robert Shaw, you know, as I would watch a movie because it's directed by a certain uh, person. I'd like to see his performance in in that show just based on that, but. Uh, yeah. Well, Paul Newman. I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm a, I did a tri- basically a tribute show to Paul Newman early in the run of this of this podcast as well. I, I and I I have another one sitting there someday. Like I I just love that guy and his work with Redford. Those two were amazing together in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which I didn't give the the greatest review to, I guess, but is a solid film and and the Sting. And it's a shame that they didn't do kind of a third movie together. I know there was been decades talking about that so it's uh, uh it's it's worth your time sheldon if you haven't seen it yeah for sure no it sounds uh sounds good have you watched the sting i i have not seen it no it's oh. uh yeah I, I got nothing else to add to it unfortunately but uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, do you like those actors do you like redford and, oh and... yeah i mean it's obviously it's yeah a classic cast it's, it's it came out the year of my birth so uh you know, I, I wanted to see it when I was zero, but uh, my parents wouldn't take me. So, <laughs> no, it's it just one I just haven't got around to. Yeah, yeah. that um, makes me laugh. That makes me laugh. <laughs> I, I, I won't. I won't say what it is, even though it's uh, you know whatever fifty year old movie next year. It had it has a plot twist, which I think had the impact of say the Sixth Sense to it uh, that people just were not expecting uh what what they got i think it was in this way shocking um a shocking type of ending and that's that's what a lot of people i think really appreciated about it but i there's so much good stuff to it it's a very well-made film robert redford and, was uh, a ghost the whole time oh, now he ruined it <laughs> the second movie was spoiled yes. <laughs> uh, i give up you know. I think we're on to your number three. Top three. Yeah. Top three. This one, I think, was uh, any movie by Sylvester Stallone, I believe. Or it was any Rambo movie. Sorry. I think just Sylvester Stallone. Or was it Sylvester Stallone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any, any involvement well, with him. I, I picked Rambo. John Rambo. A drifter just passing through their town. Morning! Headed north or south? North. Now jump in. I'll make sure you're heading the right direction. Huh? You got some place I can eat around here? There's a diner about 30 miles up the highway. Is there any law against me getting something here? Yeah, me. I want you to book this gentleman for vagrancy, resisting arrest, carrying a concealed weapon. They knew he was innocent. Starting to dislike you. Lot. And they didn't give a damn. That's okay, Warren. Don't worry about the soap. He's tough. Just shave him. Try. Don't move. I don't want you to cut your own throat. 
John Rambo. One man who's been pushed too far. You're finished! You've gone as far as you're gonna go! And straight for the top. Right on top of him. There's no way out of here except through us. He was hunted. Trapped. There he is! On the cliff! anyone by sylvester stallone i mean obviously he's had some great movies uh you know you could talk about rocky you could talk about uh, or all however many there are 10 or so he's kind of a guilty uh pleasure sort of thing actually i think he's become a very very good actor uh, yeah. you say say what you will in some of his movies you know he, he got sort of typecasted as uh you know arnold's sort of second or nemesis or sidekick sort of thing in action movies, right? Like Cliffhanger and and uh, a lot of the movies throughout the 90s where he played huge action roles. But I, I think he's actually come a long way as an actor. Some of the stuff, he hasn't really been in anything super dramatic or exciting in the last few years. I mean, there's well, been the Expendable movies and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I just think what he's doing nowadays is a much more honest performance as some of the stuff that uh, he did kind of during the 90s. Actually, I think one of his most honest performances ever was in first blood was in the first rambo movie i i thought on and you know it's it's nothing like the rest of the rambo movies and i've, yeah. I've seen all of them and they're great movies and i love i love you know them for different reasons um, but first blood was always a movie that kind of struck me as something that could actually sort of maybe happen i mean th there were parts of it that were taken to the extreme definitely uh with some of the weaponry and and such that he used sort of in the end there but it very much seemed like a true story of someone coming back from uh, a conflict like vietnam or or many of uh, any of the wars that, that were fought in sort of the later part of the 19th uh, well 20th century uh, 1900s you know walking through a town being viewed as a transient or or being viewed as a homeless person and uh, being run out of town basically it seemed like a very plausible story you know i just kind of like i've always liked the underdog and i kind of always like that they picked on the wrong person in that movie and uh, he kind of made them pay for it right so I don't know I just I like that part of the story is is kind of you you have the guy that it, it sort of cemented the whole don't judge a book by its cover uh, sort of show that a lot of people uh, recommend yeah it, it was a great movie I thought it was a very honest movie in terms of a Rambo movie that's that was that was my number three I enjoy I enjoy First Blood I, I didn't watch it I, I thought about it a couple times 
times. I could have put it in on a childhood memory movie yeah. because uh, I remember strongly seeing this movie when it was on Super Channel back when we had that for a period of time. And uh, it was, you know, you got free Super Channel for a weekend every now and then. And so I would just watch everything. I just put it on and I'd watch whatever was on next. And I was, you know, I think uh, there was some haunted house movie on before, which I wanted to see because I, I like that kind of stuff. And I think it was like 10 years old or something. But uh, and then coming up next was this movie called First Blood. I knew nothing about it, but it was called First Blood. Well, that sounds scary. I'll watch that one. And so I was watching it, just like waiting for it to become scary and, and a horror movie, which obviously it wasn't. But I was engaged in it and uh, I really got it. And so it was kind of almost one of my first action movies, I guess, where, uh, you know, it just kind of sucked me in. And I, I really enjoyed that movie, but didn't know what I was getting into at first. Watched it because of the title. And uh, yeah, that's uh, it's you're right. It's very different from the other Rambos. And I think better for it. For, for the record, and I did do a, 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 a Stallone versus Schwarzenegger episode uh, once upon a time. I think Schwarzenegger ended up winning in that particular group of uh, three of each. There was an, an overlap with some of the movies that they were both in. But uh, I think Stallone's a much better actor than Schwarzenegger. But there's something about Schwarzenegger where he's just, I don't know, what, what, what he picked during the 80s and 90s there too. When <laughs> Stallone kind of went a little bit sideways. But I've gone back and I, I, I enjoy those Cobras and a lot of those ones mm-hmm. that uh, uh, the, the one I picked for that day wasn't fantastic. And your, your pick was, was a lot better there. <laughs> Mine wasn't very good either. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. It was kind of a mixed bag with with his canon of films, I, I suppose. There. Uh, what's your number three, Scott? My number three is one of my favorite movies. Just, I just want to say, I want you to hit me as hard as you can. <laughs> had, I had to. I had to watch Fight Club. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself? You've never been in a fight. Wait. Let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. You want me to deprioritize my current reports until you advise of a status upgrade? Make these your primary action items. I couldn't sleep. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. This is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Okay. Ow! It hit me in the ear! It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is... Wow, nice. You do not talk about Fight Club. Is that your blood? Some of it, yeah. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. You're gonna have to keep me up she ruined everything. You're not into her, are you? No. God, not at all. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. He had a plan. <laughs> to what purpose? In Tyler, we trusted. We gotta take Fight Club up a notch. Each one of you has a homework assignment. You're gonna start a fight with a total stranger. It's not necessary. You're gonna lose. That hurt. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game are you playing? Oh my god.
fight anyone, who would you fight? Shatner. I'd fight William Shatner. I just I love Fight Club. I think you know shortly after we named our son Tyler and I'm sure it had a little bit something to do with how much we were into Fight Club back then. It's it's just such a it changed kind of how I look at a lot of movies. It's just the the way it's put together and the way it's told it that so quotable and uh and visual I, I haven't read the book yeah i i would love to but uh yeah i'm not sure what i can say about fight club right now <laughs> but uh, i didn't i know i think uh sheldon you watched it as well during the month there yeah i did um and actually that was going to be my that was going to be my number two uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. i have to do yeah. some quick thinking here to do some adjustments no 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 you don't no no we 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 overlap but we oh, okay we, yeah so you, yeah that's fine yeah, that's your number two and that would have been where we were going with you next. So you two might as well talk sure. about Fight Club. Uh, sure. If you want yeah, we, we can do that. We can do I that. Just... Yeah. That, um, and and yeah, it was my number two because it was just like uh, Scott said, it, it sort of changed the way that I uh, sort of viewed movies. Uh, um, and it, it's just the perspective that it's told from, I, I, I think, that makes it so uh, different from anything. Like, it's it's told from the perspective of somebody that has schizophrenia that doesn't know that they have schizophrenia. And, Spoilers. And, and, <laughs> what's that, sorry? Spoilers, 23 years. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> if you haven't seen Fight Club by now, I, I, I'm afraid I, I don't have any sympathy for you, I think. I, I missed it with, with Spider-Man. <laughs> no, yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah. What well, can you plus, say? That plus insomnia plays a part of it, too. You know, if you don't sleep for so long, you start to hallucinate and you see things and, you know, you create that other person as well. But uh, I remember being, you know, the, you saw about the spoiler, but uh, when, the, when it does flip... I remember just kind of, you know, sat up in my seat saying, what, what's happening? And, you know, it's just one of those movies that, uh, the, the twist got me and it's, it's so fun. Like, uh, this is the second time I got Brad Pitt on my list actually too. So he's good. The guy, the guy knows what he's doing. He ain't just a pretty face. That's for sure. Yeah, I Ed, think this Ed, was, Norton as well. Well, yeah, and this was Norton, sort of the movie. This movie sort of, uh, I think, cemented him as as a you know a leading male. I think too. After this movie, Brad Pitt was, I think, what Brad Pitt is now, sort of thing. I don't know. Of course, he was big before that, but I don't know. I I would say I would argue that this movie was was a career changing movie for him. Um, and of course, Edward Norton's performance in it was was awesome. You know, what more can you say about uh, about those characters? You know, and there was just, there was so much about Fight Club. Um, when you were watching it and the little, the scenes that were cut into it where you would get flashes of Tyler Durden or, or the, the alter mm-hmm. ego and, and it would be sort of sitting there. And, uh, and I was picking up on that the first time I watched it, actually. I saw it in the theater and I was picking up on that. I, I was seeing those flashes and I, I kind of thought to myself, what the heck is going on here? Like, is that supposed to be there or... And, yeah. and I guess that's that's the effect that they were going for, I guess, right? Not just that it fit into the storyline with uh, him working in a movie theater and splicing things into into children's movies, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, you just I, there was sort of a, a culture that evolved from from Fight Club, and it wasn't a fight culture; it, it was uh, you know sort of a movie culture that that kind of grew out of that movie. I, I think you know it sort of set the tone for what a really bizarre but entertaining movie can be. I, I think I don't know, and, yeah. and I'm, I might be stretching that a little bit, but it's just a really, really, really good show. Super, super entertaining. I, I, I can't say enough about it. I could probably talk for for two hours about Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> 
an easy one to, to analyze. There is uh, many, many stories, but one of the most famous ones is I'm not quite sure who this was in the, somebody helping out in the editing, but I don't think it was the main editor for the film said to, Oh, David, we have a problem here. There's a continuity error. You, you have your actor coming out of the wrong side of the car after the car crash sequence. Oh. And teacher said, um, just keep watching. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was one, one of the Easter eggs there. Was it, was that, that moment in there, which uh, again, I, I, I was, I was fooled by the plot twist. Going back to my review, and I, I, I kind of, I've watched this movie a ton. I had a David Fincher versus Danny Boyle episode even earlier in 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 their time with the podcast, but the second or third episode of the show, and uh, Seven and Zodiac and Fight Club were the three Fincher films we looked at, and I, I suppose controversially. I think it's my least favorite of those three Fincher films. The production's amazing. The acting's amazing. I have enormous problems with the third act. And, like, the plot twist happens, and, and it, that's clever and everything. But what goes on in the third act, uh, I have just <laughs> have had huge problems. And it, I think that's maybe the divisive. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is A Clockwork Orange, which really divides people. Uh, I, and and it, it has that kind of impact on, on, on people. But I would be stupid to say it's not a, a, a brilliantly made film by a, a master filmmaker and taking two up-and-coming young great actors i think he became a movie star because of legends of the fall i think the movie where people kind of sat up and like oh this guy can really act he's not just a pretty face was in the same year he had seven and 12 monkeys and he got an oh, Twelve monkeys and I, I think if you look at those two and, and those films combined with california i wasn't surprised that he had this performance in him with Fight Club where some other people might have been totally shocked if they were just following the sexiest man alive, Brad Pitt hero narrative or whatever. Uh, he's never been afraid to take on dark and, and sometimes ugly roles. And I think that's what separates him from uh, some of the other 20-somethings that, uh, that kind of became movie stars in the 90s. And that's why he is just one of the best actors of his generation. Fight Club yeah, is a can of that so uh, i appreciate that pick even though my reservations are just subjective reservations i have about certain aspects of it but the setup is so brilliant and and edward norton is difficult a human being as apparently he is on any movie set and how he tries to take over and direct every film that he's involved with i, I don't care when i'm watching the film because he is just an, a magnificent actor i just hope he he keeps getting recognized a little bit i still don't think he's been fully recognized for how great he is pits now kind of the people have really come around to him being as great as he is there yeah my son uh joined us for this one he hadn't seen it before so i thought it was time and uh you know i've and after as many times as i've seen it now i know it inside out or you feel like you do but now watching it again it's strange it feels like they're hitting you over the head with it how obvious it should have been you know it's like okay well clearly that's him or or because you know all the cues and you're picking up this stuff that you didn't catch the the first four times and the fifth time you're catching more stuff I, I find there's still stuff to see every time you look at it there's, a, there's always a new experience and it's a movie where i i either watch it and think this is this is a, a classic one of the greatest movies of all time as you're saying and other times i watch them like overrated and it, the truth is somewhere i think in the middle at least that's that's what i've reconciled myself and a, 
and a very pre 9 11 ending as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't have been released two years later. I don't think so. Going into a less famous, but I think I'm sticking with the 90s, earlier 90s here. This movie should be a classic. It should be thought of in the same light as um, as a fight club. It was on Jeff Goldblum Day, so he's been well represented <laughs> on this show. But Bill Duke's uh, wonderful film, Deep Cover. The great thing about life on the street is you know how it's going to be. It's always the same. It's always getting worse. Hasta la vista! On these streets, one color rules. Green. It's not 10 kilos we want, we want 20. Listen, you're taking a lot away for a guy we hardly know, John. Where are you moving this stuff? He's going to get you busted. No, he won't. On these streets, nothing's what it seems to be. Is that our bust? Yeah. Well, who is he? Listen, John here got busted, but he kept his mouth shut. On these streets, he'd be the perfect criminal if he wasn't the perfect cop. Did you ever take a look at your psychological profile? You score almost exactly like a criminal. I'm looking for somebody who will go under and stay under. What does he have to do? Buy drugs? Sell drugs? Set up the people that I want to bust. Because there's only one rule in this game, John. Don't blow your cover. Do what you want, but don't try to sit down while I get down. Knock, knock, who is it? There's a lot of money to be made out there, babe. The more we have, the more we can move. Business is improving. I'm almost nothing now, almost something. Oh, are you an ambitious boy? Uh They're gonna kill us. They're not gonna kill anybody. We're too valuable to them. There's no such thing as an American anymore. No blacks, no whites, no nothing. It's just rich people and poor people. Larry Fishburne. Don't blow your cover. Deep cover. Starring at the time Larry Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum. Larry. Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne, starts off with just an unbelievable, amazing sequence where as a young boy, he he sees his father murdered and his father has been connected to a, a very rough drug, drug-based li- lifestyle. Uh, and he's grown up now to become a police officer and he deals with the racism at him. Um, and very overtly, uh, Charles Martin Smith is, you know, working for, for this agency and hires him to go deep undercover to uh, infiltrate uh, the big bosses in uh, the drug situation, kind of coming off of uh, just saying no to drugs and the Reagan years and a little bit of the Bush senior years with the war on drugs. I couldn't get my hands on it for years. I, I kept wanting to see it, wanting to see it. And sometimes when that anticipation for a movie is so big, then it, it lets you down. This was even better. I, I've watched it twice in recent times. Uh, once because I got it, I was just so excited to finally have my hands on it and watch it. And then I watched it again for the Jeff Goldblum day. I didn't want to go with comedian, character actor Jeff Goldblum. I wanted to to see him as playing a villain and he is you know he's still likable enough and you kind of cheer for him at points but he nonetheless he is a villain 
in this piece or his morality is completely off. And he's this wonderfully complex character because he's involved in the drug world, but he, he doesn't, he keeps being thrown in his face the fact that he won't kill somebody and he doesn't have it in him to kill somebody. And then that goes into some interesting directions. And an announcement, if you didn't know that Lawrence Fishburne was one of the great actors, this announced him. And then I think it was, it was a year later, which was not that he played Ike Turner. And he got, uh, to this day, his only Oscar nomination. If you look at his filmography, films aren't great. Lawrence Fishburne is great. And this is a, a wonderful movie that I want to tell people about and shout from the rooftops. See Deep Cover. If you like crime movies, you're going to love this movie. And it just, I, for whatever reason, it kind of slipped past uh, kind of the mainstream. I think it was dumped in kind of an early movie, early in the year release. And not a lot of people paid attention to it. But it was always one that I had heard about and wanted to check out and it is it was well worth the whatever 20 some years i had to wait to see this one it's uh it's high up on my list here but i think it deserves to be yeah yeah i don't i don't think i've i don't think i've ever seen it but not that i remember anyway I, you know I, I think lawrence fishburne as as an actor he's you know probably i think one of the better actors out there and that's that that amazes me that he's only had that one oscar nomination like you say it's probably because of the movies that he's picked he's had some kind of poorer choices i guess you could say in in terms of movies but he's also had some really good movies though like that's the thing like there's movies he's done that he should have gotten nominations for that's the weird thing about oscars it's all about timing and what comes out when and who did what and what year and yeah I'd, I'd, I'd like to check that one out that's definitely one I'll, I'll put on my list for sure it's tough to get your hands on for sure Criterion came out with it yeah strangely I, I same boat I, I don't believe I've seen it and I took a look at I pulled up the cover and I don't recognize it at all but from what you're saying you know every now and then something pops up somewhere someone grabs rights to it for a few months and puts it out online yeah I'll, if I see it I'll, I'll check it out and, and Bill Duke's a wonderful character actor if you, if you look him up you'll have seen him in 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 a lot of stuff and he's an, a fabulous director i don't i don't know why this hasn't led to him being kind of like you know the way jordan peele kind of jumped in there and now is considered like one of the the great modern filmmakers and i just think if this movie had gotten a little bit more of it was given a bit more of a chance then uh it, it could have just really kind of led into i think he did a lot of tv work uh after a while there bill duke, duke did but he's does a, a brilliant job of directing this film yeah it should be up there with like the donnie brascos and uh the carlitos <laughs> ways and, and then those sorts of uh, great crime films from the 90s and so uh, yeah sheldon we had your number two fight club well i'll, I'll save i'll save a little bit of time on my number two because it's been mentioned already as well i put spider-man no way home up there and i i had to have that on my list it was uh and maybe it's a little high maybe because of the proximity or, or just how new it was i guess maybe because we saw it in the theater you know day one when it came out my daughter's a big fan uh so and that's kind of our thing we go to all these marvel movies together you know on, on release day and and i won't forget it was such a treat just watching her be so into it and you know the surprise of everything when when this character showed up and when this character showed up just watching her reaction you know her mouth dropped open she covered her face and she's yeah. crying during the movie and you know you're hearing you know it's that movie where you hear the gasp of the audience it was that kind of thing it's it's more fun to see in a crowd yeah. and uh it was it was that experience and i found i bought the blu-ray and we watched it again this you know in in april and i feel like i enjoyed it even more the second time maybe not more because there you can't replace that theatrical first time feeling when uh, everyone's losing their mind when you can't believe like look it's toby but uh, yeah. uh and you got everyone there but for some reason 
the emotional parts of the movie hit harder. I found the second time because the first time, it, because there are some emotional beats where they and it drags and and it pulls at you. And I remember watching it getting choked up the second time when I didn't get choked up in the theater. I think maybe because then in the theater it was all happening and I'm excited for what's going to come after this scene or what's next. But this time it seemed like it was like I looked at it and I was getting a frog in my throat. Thinking like, wait, did this scene go on this long before? Because like it, it just works. It's a lot of fun. And that's what I didn't touch on. Uh, And then maybe I was a little bit distracted by the echo while I was (laughs) talking there. But, and that's where I go back to, to Zendaya's performance. Um, (laughs) But I mean, all all of them, Holland as well. Like, uh, yeah, it is, it is a gut punch of an ending in some ways. And you think, Oh, does it have to be this way? But yeah, it kind of has to be this way. It's the right way. I didn't see it in the movie theater. I kind of wish I had, as you described that experience, especially like right in December when it first came out. Yeah. I I think the reason it made my list is because for days afterwards, I was like, really, really did it have to, did it have to go that way for, Oh, for for Peter, but yeah. Anyway, uh, not not to ruin the entire movie for anybody who hasn't seen it listening to this podcast, but it's. Uh, you mean because he died at the end, and it's uh, he was a ghost the whole time. He was a ghost the whole time. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but it's i love you know because where we're left with now is is what we didn't get to see from this spider-man where now he is your friendly neighborhood spider-man he doesn't have iron man's gadgets and and the avengers it's it's him and uh it makes me kind of excited to see where we're going to go next with it yeah, no, uh, a great movie like you say that uh there were some really emotional parts i was really impressed with tom holland uh, i've always liked tom holland i think he's a great actor he's very comfortable with his body he can dance um, and you can definitely tell uh, that that bleeds through into his performance. The the fact that he's uh, very good at movement, you know, from a sort of a, a drama perspective, I guess you could say, from a drama theater teacher's perspective, like he's he's he moves very well. And that performance that he gave in that movie, I think, for that scene where it gets very very serious, and I'm sure we all know that scene. I think that was one of his best performances mm-hmm. by far. I hope he makes good career choices besides Spider Man. I have. I haven't seen this uh these his latest films that he's been connected to I, i'm not getting a great feeling with those but i i have on a video them. game oh, yeah there's another one for uh, apple that he mm. he did to uh i think so i yeah i don't i don't know if it's I, i'm hoping that whoever's working with him is gonna steer him to work with these great filmmakers so he could be have the kind of career of a, a young downy jr or w- without the drug uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he makes a great Spider-Man too. And uh, one thing we never mentioned was Andrew Garfield as well, uh, because yeah. his, his version of Spider-Man kind of gets a rough ride. Uh, you know, when people talk about the films he was in and he never did get his, his third movie in his trilogy. So, but the, the arc he gets in here, I find is another emotional beat where it kind of concludes his story a bit. And you know, that's another part where it still kind of got me. It actually, of, of, of the Spider-Man, uh, he, he was my favorite this time. Holland's movie and his trilogy or whatever but and I to be honest I, I didn't watch those the amazing Spider-Man like his 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 two films just the energy and I really like that guy and I've been on a, a kick because tick tick boom boom I, I would have voted for him for best actor for that uh, over uh, he who, sh- who should not be named there uh, and I said it before any of that happened that that was my the performance I like better it has nothing to do with what Smith did at the awards or whatever but but just seeing like he he 
he's in this critically acclaimed movie and he's getting an Oscar nomination for it. But then he's also in the biggest movie of the year, money wise, international, everything. And I think he just all star cast. He, I, he would probably get the silver medal to me, uh, Zendaya getting the gold medal. But that just be a subjective <laughs> thing on my part there. That film, I think she's the, the MVP, but he's a he's a co MVP of the film. My number two, this is another movie that I champion and I think I've got dumped in a February release. I think this is an absolute masterpiece. It, it was the movies with aliens. This is one of the great science fiction films I've seen in, in, in the last several years. Annihilation, directed by Alex Garland. Can you describe its form? No. Start from the beginning. What do you think I do when you're away? You think I'm out in the garden, pining, looking up at the sky? <laughs> Why aren't you here? I gotta leave a day early. Your husband's here. extremely ill. You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. It was his decision to go in. It's something they termed the shimmer. We've sent in drones and teams of people, but nothing comes back. But something has. You're a biologist. You served in the military. If I knew what happened, I could save his life. The boundary's getting bigger, it's expanding. We're talking cities, states. You need to know what's inside. So do I. It's beautiful. Check this out. It's like they're stuck in a continuous mutation. Anything interesting in there? No. Sharks have teeth like that. It's not possible. You can't crossbreed different species. What is it? The soldiers on the last expedition. They went crazy. Or something in here killed them. Something's come through the fence. Through the fence? We have to go back. I can't go back. We can camp here tonight. It's destroying everything. It's not destroying. It's making something new. This brought Natalie Portman, who had been making some questionable decisions with films, right back in the forefront. Jennifer Jason Lee, who I love, is in the film as, as well. And, and essentially, uh, this brilliant biologist husband has gone off. He, you know, they were both met and they were both soldiers. Her husband comes back and, and, and something is wrong. And on the way to get him some help, since her and him and they end up in this rather strange place where this there's this shimmer and almost like this bubble over this coastal town and there's a lot of mystery about what has gone on and some people have gone in there and they just have not been the same and her husband was apparently the only person who kind of survived this first group and so then an all-female team is uh going uh in there to see what this is about and 
I just cannot predict. It is based on a novel, which I had not read. You cannot predict what is where this movie goes. It, it has great silences, wonderful setup, and... This is, to me, the highest compliment I can pay a science fiction movie. The third act of the film, in some ways, reminds me of 2001 A Space Odyssey. It, it is that good. It should have been up for all kinds of prizes and top ten lists and that kind of thing. I, I just don't think enough people have seen Annihilation, and I was really excited to include it in uh, in this action April. And there was no doubt it was going to be uh, towards the top of my list. It was a little bit of back and forth whether this would be number one or not. I don't revisit a, it a lot, but I've watched it a couple times. And every time it, uh, it's blown me away. This is this is one of the, the few movies where I refused to buy a physical copy until I could get my hands on an affordable 4K release of it because it is just a, a, a beautiful movie to listen to and to look at and just an a, just amazing story here so i'm getting i'm getting into reviewing it which i said i wasn't supposed to be doing but uh, i would highly recommend if you haven't seen annihilation it is it is great bit of horror in there mixed with science fiction as well but it's it's a great film i'm, I'm not familiar with it myself but I, that sounds like the 2018 is fairly recent i mean i consider that recent still but um yeah four years old yeah i'm not sure why i don't recognize it it seems like something i should have seen i would go on a limb and say that you 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 will enjoy it a lot uh, i think Sheldon, yeah, always, you'd, you'd like it too but i i know scott i think for sure given uh types yeah of i'm always down like. always down for a good alien movie for sure yeah. it seems interesting yeah i don't think i've ever you know i, I for some reason i remember I think I remember seeing a trailer for it just because of Natalie Portman. I, I don't know. I like Natalie Portman. I, I think she's uh, an awesome actor. I don't know. I'd, I'd check that movie out just because she's in it. I, I dare say this is this is going to blow your mind then. It, 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 but this is a, you know, you can't have it on a big screen anymore, but I would like as much sound and as, as, as good an experience on whatever TV that you have. I wouldn't watch it on my phone or on an iPad or anything like you, you, you need to sort of get, you know, as, as much as you can because it's, uh, it's, a, it's an incredibly cinematic film. So we're hitting uh, uh, your favorite movie of the month, I guess. Yeah, right yeah. Number one. Um, I don't know. I might be stealing somebody else's number one here because I think we all watched this movie, I think. But yeah, it was a fifth element. When the three planets are in eclipse, the black hole like a door is open. Evil comes, spreading terror and chaos. But to exterminate life, all forms of life. So what you're telling me, Father, there's nothing that can stop. Four elements gathered around a fifth. The supreme being, the ultimate warrior, created to protect life. Then night turns to dark, life to death, forever. I want your best man to go undercover. I have the perfect one. It's nice to see you again, Father. Where are the stones? I don't know. And even if I did know, I wouldn't tell somebody like you. Divine language, the ancient language. Okay. Spoken throughout the universe before time was time. Did you bring what I asked you for? Yes. Evil begets evil, Mr. President. What is your name? Good. Major Dallas, you're selected for a mission of the utmost importance. What mission? Save the world. 
Go to the Dingo, collect the stones, and meet me at the temple. Send someone to negotiate. Unbelievable! Oh, I'm Just destroy Do you have any idea where it's heading? Anybody else want to negotiate? Where did he learn to negotiate like that? I am very disappointed! I know my man. He'll calm things down. For me, that was the number one. If, if I was to rank it, you know, if I was to call a number one out of any of the movies that I watched during the month, I'd probably have to say that one. It just so many great performances in it. Gary Oldman, he's one of my favorite actors, and, and he's just so great at playing those weird characters, you know, like true romance ca characters. And, uh, you know, where he, I, I'll never forget true romance for Gary Oldman with like <laughs> long flowing dreadlocks and the, the grill teeth thing. Uh, thing that he had going on there and that yeah that, that made me fall in love with Gary Oldman and and uh, the, I don't know the thing about Fifth Element honestly you know yeah it's a great story there's great performances in it some of it's kind of you know a little bit cheesy some of it but honestly it was the soundtrack that that made me fall in love with it uh, you know I, the first time I watched it I watched it at a friend's house sort of in their basement I guess and they had bigger tower speakers and so it was playing very loudly and just that scene the scene where she escaped from the chamber just probably the one of the greatest uh, uh bits of musical interlude that happens during that scene that that was my number one by far i don't know what else i can say about that movie there's there's so many good things bruce willis was you know a great performance there and and of course i'm forgetting his name off the top of my head and i shouldn't but uh, bilbo baggins uh, you can't can't forget about bilbo baggins in the fifth element that was my number one and it's a movie you know that that'll always hold a special place in my heart and and uh just the the soundtrack I like after I watched the movie I went out and bought, bought the soundtrack and it's still something I listen to all the time I'll, I'll put it on in my truck when I'm driving somewhere and uh, it just relaxes me and music has always had that effect on me to begin with but yeah. this is one uh, specific uh, movie soundtrack that uh, you know I'll probably listen to for the rest of my life it was that the first day of the month too I think that was Mila Jovokovic uh, day and she's she's awesome in that movie yeah, yeah I, I love uh, yeah Mila Jovovich uh, I love her in that movie. She's there's something about the way she does that character, you know. And then she starts learning some English, you know, with the multi pass, and you know, <laughs> it's, it's, her character is kind of charming, and and you just kind of like her. I almost wish there was a bit more of her, you know, doing some of the butt kicking uh, that she starts doing. Uh, I didn't have it on my list. I, I considered it, you know, near the but uh, unfortunately, the one part for me that kind of ruined it is is Chris Tucker in that movie for me. Uh, and, I, and I know I know that's kind of his bit doing the the shrill thing that he does and i know he's he's got his fans you know he does the same kind of thing in in his rush hour movies but the, the way he does it here is it's just too much i find you know he comes in from another movie into this movie that didn't need that in it i found and he does he has 
this scene and he does this and, and it starts annoying me and it, and it almost ruins the movie for me. And then he goes away and I thought, okay, well that was a, a part of the movie, but then, you know, he comes back and he spent, <laughs> he spent the rest of the movie with him. And, and I, I did not enjoy any scene that, you know, he it just soured it a bit, just uh, the extent of how shrill he was being and, and over the top and his screaming and that, that I, I blame his performance in, in why I didn't make my top 10. Otherwise it, it could very well have been there. I, I could understand that. And I wonder how much of that was Chris Tucker and how much of that was the director telling Chris Tucker to be as ridiculous and shriek and shrill as you can be. I, I don't know. I guess uh, the only people that know are Chris Tucker and the director. I yeah. guess. It just well, seemed like it was a, a movie I was enjoying and I was on side with and uh, it brought in something that I, I thought the movie didn't really need at that point. It was it was doing fine as it was. Like Luke Besson's a, a, an amazing director. I think he maybe let Chris Tucker do what he wanted which maybe. may have been I, and for whatever reason I've auto-corrected that over the years it was a movie in 1987 good year for movies I, I did put it on my top 10 list and and obviously I mispronouncing Mila Javokovic's name I, I had her on my list for a best supporting actress nomination for that that year of course it didn't happen it was pre-summer of that year and the movie didn't sort of catch on that way but i think a lot of people remember it fondly but not chris tucker as much so <laughs> so i would defend the movie for sure but I, I decided not to watch it because i wanted to see some of her other movies uh on that day and so that's why it probably would have been a consideration yeah, for sure movies. yeah and, and i i get that with the chris tucker thing i do um his character is ridiculous like with the hairdo you know the the hollow cylinder hairdo thing that he's got going on i don't know it's ridiculous but i i I think i'm strangely okay with it because (laughs) it it was just the whole movie was kind of ridiculous you you know like you had gary oldman and yeah he was he was quite out there (laughs) he was right out there you know and and, and just the the whole thing Uh, what i really liked about it honestly um is because it, it makes me well the soundtrack for as we have established but it makes me think of another cool movie sort of from from the past that i used to watch which was heavy metal and <laughs> and that movie has like one heavy metal if you've never seen it there it shows a kind of individual stories based on the same sort of premise i guess you could say but one of those stories i think fifth element was sort of based on it uh in, in a way the one that they uh, tell about harry canyon i think his name is and there's just so many similarities from the story that happens in uh, heavy metal and then kind of the beginning of the fifth element uh, just with the taxi cab and sort of the city and I don't know I just there's so many similarities it, it makes me think of that movie instantly and, and that's maybe another reason why I love it I don't know but I do I do enjoy the movie I do, it'll get another spin in my player yeah, me too. Scott, what was your number one? Well, this might this one might be a head scratcher for for you, Jason. But <laughs> I know I what for, it is. It's end of the world was the the theme, and in my <laughs> honest opinion, this is one of the best action movies of all time, and I and I really mean that. Mad Max Fury Road. In this wasteland, I am the one who runs from both the living and the dead. Reduced to a single instinct. Survive. It is by my hand. You arise from the ashes of this world.
them back! They're my property! Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! Wanna get through this? Let's go! I, I I'm blown away by this movie like like no other movie blows me away. It's it's a visual feast. I feel like my eyes are eating supper. There, it's such a feast for them. And then and then the rest of my body, my ears get to eat dessert. It's just it's everything. Uh, while this movie is on, I'm 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 actually talking to the TV when it's on, saying what a movie. Like I I remember saying that. I'm saying oh this is amazing. I'd like there's just so much going on and the visual spectacle of it. Just the stuff that they were able to do. I mean even in a day where we can do absolutely anything in a movie, uh, this one still just just blew me away there's i can't say uh, enough about it and uh, we're kind of just thrust into this world where we don't really know you know the background of of this these characters and uh, why this person's the way it is but i feel like that and often i would question that and say well why is this that and why is this this but i, I just go with it and i enjoy absolutely every second of this movie it's wall-to-wall action like nothing i've probably seen before it seems like the first half of the movie is uh you know it takes a breath at about an hour and 20 minutes in it catches its breath for a minute and then it revs up and goes again i think and mad max i i don't know if he is arguably not even the main character of the movie it's uh charlie's theron is uh really our our main hero you know but what tom hardy does with barely any dialogue i think he's quite good too obviously it's number one i'm a big fan of this movie and i do think this is maybe in my opinion possibly the best action movie ever made I don't know if that's the ballsy by saying ever made, but uh, but uh, there's there's nothing quite quite like it to me. I, I think the only thing that's a head scratcher is why I don't have a good relationship with this movie. And have you watched the black and white version? I, I haven't. No. Yeah, I I, I watched. I, I did watch it this month, and I thought I would try that one to see if I'd kind of. And I've had a few years between viewings to see, you know, willing to change my mind. I'm still willing to change my mind because everybody, everybody loves this movie, and I don't know if they everybody says it's the greatest action movie of all time, but I think it is up there for for most viewers. If there's a problem, it's a problem with me, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, I, I agree. Later, it's a problem. <laughs> at a later time, I'll do a full review of it, but um, <clears throat> not not at this point. And I certainly I understand, and I kind of thought it would be on your list, but we we went through and we weren't hearing it, and so it makes sense that it would be number one. I thought it was going to be on both of your lists actually, because I think Sheldon, you watched it this month. I I wa- um I don't know. I don't think it was part of. It might have been a second on one of the days, but I, I'm not too sure. A second or a third? I I don't. Remember remember watching it but I, I might have and you know there's bits and pieces i think of it that i haven't still seen just because it, it like i i never saw it in the theater 
years. And then uh, I've tried to watch it probably like honestly 20 times since it's been on streaming services and I'll get through most of it. And like, I've seen the ending of it and I, you know, it's just, there's always bits and pieces. I can and it's funny because I kind of enjoy that. I, I watch it again and I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen this part before. <laughs> you know? And so I kind of, I, I enjoy that and because it is a good movie. I, I enjoy watching it. I don't know Actually, if I could call it the best action movie <laughs> ever made, but it certainly is, is worth an honorable mention as, as one of, I, I would say one of the best better action movies uh, definitely in the last few years for sure yeah uh, I, I might throw that phrase around loosey-goosey sometimes but it's the funniest that. movie ever time this is scary yeah, I, I do ever. that too all the you time know, maybe I, top I, top five for sure but I mean I think this is actually like how a lot of people feel about it I, I think Sheldon watching it start because that's what I've done I've watched yeah. it start to finish yeah. in both of my viewings and I think it is worth seeing it in, in fragments. I, you know, I'm sure there's maybe some degree of satisfaction in that, but start to finish, if you, I, I know it's tough with a young kid and everything, but yeah. someday I, I think, you know, go for the ride and get the full experience. And, you know, you might be right there with Scott saying the same thing. And I, it, it's one, it's one I want to figure out, I guess I want to figure it out. It's not, it's not one I'm, I'm dismissing or saying, Oh no, the world's insane. And I'm the only sensible person in it. Cause that's not true. I think you and, are insane. Cause we've had, yeah. we've talked about thunder, uh, the Thunderdome thunder, yeah. and you're yeah. big on that one. I feel like we're going to be talking about it in a moment here, but, um, <laughs> before we, uh, before we do that, yeah, my number one, I don't think you two are going to get mad and argue with me on this one. It seems almost obvious childhood memory, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Man of many talents. <laughs> the Ark. It is something that man was not meant to disturb. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. Indiana Jones! Let her go. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I'm going after that truck. Oh, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. I knew if I watched it, it would be on this this list of 10. And it had been, I'd, I'd had a comfortable amount of time between last watching it and just watching it now and being even a little bit older. What a brilliant, well-made movie start to finish like Steven Spielberg. Sometimes I forget how good Steven Spielberg is at with the popcorn movies because he's been so much of the serious filmmaker from uh, Schindler's List on. He was gold at the box office at this time. And because he directed it and not George Lucas, I think that's why. Uh, and also having Lawrence Kasdan, the great Lawrence Kasdan, as one of the screenwriters who was, I think, responsible for some of the best writing in the uh, Ridge Tridge for... Uh, 
for Star Wars as well. Just the detail. And I mean, I would have memories of scenes, but there were so many scenes I had forgotten about. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. This happens. I mean, the, the sequence with the light and the sun and that beam of light is absolutely beautiful. And Harrison Ford, man, you can see why he was the number one movie star at the time. He was operating on all cylinders and it was a perfect role for him. Like Han Solo was such a great role for him too. But this brings out all of the charm, uh, the hubris of the character and a, a just terrific supporting cast. Over the years, I mean, I Last Crusade is one I, I really liked as a kid and I watched a lot. I haven't, I, I'd be curious to go back and just watch them all, Temple of Doom included, or at least those three, to see where my thoughts would be now as to which is the best. I always liked the third one, but that was kind of my childhood perspective. And this would have been number two with Doom, Temple of Doom being number three. But now I really wonder, I think this this probably is the best Indiana Jones film, technically speaking, story-wise, the details, everything about it. And not as dark and, and horror movie-esque as Temple of Doom, but the climax of the film. <laughs> climax, yeah. Those face like that horrified me, those faces melting off. Uh the Nazis and all of these villains and and, and what happened. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant brilliant this is one of spielberg's best films i i dare say i i love annihilation and it was so close to put annihilation number one but i just had to go with my heart on this one and indiana jones raiders of the lost ark is is just one of the great popcorn movies of the 1980s and one of the great popcorn movies of all time there so it's number one for me yeah it's funny good that you mentioned popcorn because uh of the three monthly movie challenges this was the popcorn month there's something about the the action spectacle films that you, you pop in the corn while you eat it uh it just goes hand in hand uh raiders of the lost ark is a great movie so many memories of seeing that as a, a kid now, the funny thing about that though now when i look back at it when you realize nothing he did really mattered in the end like he didn't really he didn't really do anything it was kind of you know in the end he didn't stop anything from happening you know, it, I never never clued into that as a kid, but now I watch it. He didn't really do anything. <laughs> and there's this frustration. That's that's the uh, that's the tragedy of the character that yeah. he goes on all these adventures, but in the end, the very end, he gets caught and they open it yeah. anyways. Yeah, yeah, nothing nothing happens, and then uh, yeah, the Ark of the Covenant we see in that last scene what happens. Spoiler! Yeah. I can't believe you spoiled Raiders of the Lost. Turns into a ghost, and it talks to a small <laughs> child in uh, in Pennsylvania. So that's that's what happens. That's what it does before being Luke Skywalker's father. So. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when 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 I think about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah, I I, I think about uh, top men in investigating <laughs> the, the 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 Ark of the Covenant, right? Top men. I always uh, I love that quote from that movie. Um, top top men or, or whatever they say that are investigating uh, the Ark at the end. Um, yeah, no, it's it. Uh, I, you can't go wrong with any of the uh, Indiana Jones movies, in my opinion, and and that includes Crystal Skull. I know everybody hates. I'll have, I'll have to try it again. Um, again. I guess, yeah. I, you know, I I still like it, even though it's it, like even though Crystal Skull is the the lesser of the 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 series. I I still like it. 
I still like watching it. Um, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah, for, for sure. Um, it's not my favorite. Like I have already covered Temple was was sort of my favorite, but it's it's just such a cool story. I like how they and and that's what I already said. Like I sort of liked the young Indiana Jones series, and so I like that part of this movie. Um, that they they have that sort of they show him in the the beginning as as he's young and on the train and that's last crusade that one. oh is that last crusade oh, i'm sorry i'm mixing yeah. him up now i'm mixing that up yeah yeah, yeah. i'm mixing that up and you know what i do that all the time because i see i see raiders of the lost ark and last crusade as as kind of being like one and two and and yeah like i i mix them up all the time because they're they're both such great movies and and they, they sort of have the same sort of characters, I guess, except for Sean Connery, right? But uh, John Ray's Davis, actually, that that's one part I really like about about those movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's, that's kind of one character that always stands out is is his character, John Ray's Davies, uh, Davis Davies. Sorry, John Ray's Davies. That was kind of one of my favorite parts of those movies. But the, the, the reason I might give the edge to Raiders over Temple of Doom, at least, is is Karen Allen, and it's a female character who's in on the action and moves things forward. Kate Capshaw, and I know met Spielberg and they've been <laughs> married ever since, but her, her character doesn't have a whole lot to do other than be a bit of a princess in, in Temple of Doom. She kind of gets there eventually, but she, I, when I've heard criticisms of that one, it's been a, that character and a little bit of that performance didn't bother me in the least as a kid, but but just watching what Karen Allen's allowed to do, and obviously that's, you know, the last film suggested this is the love of his life. Probably go on to the opposite of uh, top 10 here. So we each would, were tasked with shedding a movie from our action April. So Sheldon, which one would you like to do a, a do-over and you would watch something else instead that's a tough question because there were most of the movies on the list were ones that uh were <clears throat> really really good shows that I, I really enjoyed for multiple different reasons it's really hard to cut one uh from that list but if i had to probably cut something i watched and i can't remember which one of the themes it was for but it, it was sort of on a whim and i picked it because it was late and i i kind of I, I sort of thought about it earlier on in the day and I don't know why, but it, I thought, oh yeah, that might work. And just, it got late and I sort of picked it because there was, there was nothing else on my mind at that point, but it was the, the ridiculous six. I, <laughs> I, I would probably cut that one off uh, of the list. It, it was, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love Adam Sandler. I, I know you don't. I know, I know your, <laughs> your, your, your qualms with, with him. I, I like him. I, you know what? I like him for I, what he, he does. He, he does a very specific thing. In some of his movies, he's strayed from that formula and they're not uh, nearly as good, but he's got some movies that are classics, in my opinion, uh, that are just, they're just fun. They're just funny. Uh, you know, like the Happy Gilmores and the Billy Madisons, um, you know, those type of movies. He's put out a ton of, of crap, though. He, he's put out a, a lot of stuff that's just uh, sort of mindless garble. For most of the movie, this was kind of mindless garble. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was, you know, like there's a couple jokes here and there there that were sort of funny but it it, it just struck me as a movie that uh, was put together way too quickly wasn't given any sort of consideration and they just sort of relied on the fact that adam sandler's a kind of a funny guy and and a lot of the other characters a lot of the other actors in it are just kind of funny people and and that's what they were relying on was that the actors are just funny people not that the material was actually funny mm -hmm. so that's kind of why i would cut that one uh, right off the list 
it's it's good for if you're uh, absolutely you know your brain is kind of collapsed and you just want to stare at a screen for an hour that that's the only time that i would ever recommend uh, that movie <laughs> Or you can watch RoboCop instead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, much better selection in Ro- RoboCop. <laughs> Scott, which one would you shed for your Action April? Well, I did watch... We've talked about Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome before, and I did want to give it another shot, and my opinion didn't get better. Uh, you know how I feel about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to get rid of that one. Oh wow! Okay, I thought that. No, was I, I, I I looked at it again, and you know what? There are some moments, some visual things that that were kind of there. I'm I'm still not on board with it 100. percent But the movie that really that I I just didn't really find any enjoyment in was the Stallone movie I watched. I wish I would have watched First Blood that night, but I ended up watching Escape Plan, oh. and I, I had not seen it before. And you know, it's the team up Stallone and Schwarzenegger together, and you know co-starring roles and i thought this was going to be the big you know versus kind of movie with them and and you know it ha- it has some interesting ideas i guess but uh, for whatever reason i i just wasn't getting into it and i found it to be uh just something i i, I wouldn't revisit i found it kind of kind of dull on it honestly i i don't see another time when i would uh, want to see this again so there's going to be an empty space under the e on my shelf and i will uh I'll get rid of Escape Plan. I, I reviewed it on that same Schwarzenegger versus Stallone. I, I even a generous review. My guest admitted to me afterwards that he desperately wanted to have that movie leave yeah. the movie shelf. It ended up being Judge Dredd was the one that got the lowest number of points as it happened. But hmm. uh, I, I get it. I like that movie more than most people. And maybe it's because... I walked in with absolutely no expectations because I did not hear much that was good. And the fact that I, I got some entertainment out of it was 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 all right. But I, I will not argue with you on that point. I, uh, it's not a very popular movie in the uh, filmography of either Stallone or Schwarzenegger. So. It's uh, funny enough, I think I watched three movies that had uh, Arnold in them this, in, during that month when, you know, obviously he's going to show up at some point he's in enough action films uh and none of them made my top 10 and yet uh the one i'm getting rid of has him in it uh, yeah. he made and uh i watched him in uh, funny february too but uh yeah. i think he was i always took him as a, this kind of the supporting like it was a big deal that they were together but it's still yeah. owns film he's the lead. yeah and schwarzenegger's of this colorful secondary character and yeah it has problems towards the end for sure and yeah, I, I have heard that comment that it moves slow and isn't. isn't there, there was about. one scene uh, where Schwarzenegger takes the big gun on the helicopter, and and he has that little gleam in his eye where it's like, oh yeah, this is what I do. But uh, I think I wanted to see this movie thirty five years ago would have been ideal. I'd agree with that. I I, I remember hearing about it, and I, I thought, wow, that would be a great combination of of actors to have in a movie, but. It was sort of a letdown. Those two did, were in such a war with each other into the 90s that a movie with both of them in it wouldn't have happened because I just heard one story after another about others trying to screw each other's careers over. So, yeah. My, the one I would shed, I, I had to. There's one that I will be giving a negative review to sometime in the future on this show. So I decided <laughs> to not 
uh, do that one this time. I, it was actually from the first day, Mila Jovovich day. Uh, Jovovich. 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 Is it Jovovich? I thought it was Jovovich. Okay. I think it's Jovovich. Yeah. No, you're probably right. You're probably right. I've been mispronouncing it for years. But I can't say Taiki Watiki. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, go on. Sorry, I interrupted. It's hard, harder for everybody. Um, took a chance on this one crime movie called Forty Five. Wow, what, what? And there was no joy to be had in this movie. It was just a whole series of just absolutely horrible characters. And you think you know you're on the side with some characters, and then you actually realize they're even more horrible than the most horrible character that you've encountered here. It's a New York-based film. I, I often am a sucker for that, even if the it's not great material. But uh, just there was nothing enjoyable about it. it. I think it, it, and the other one would have like it for a star system or something out of five, or maybe one to one and a half star films. Uh, they were, you know, it, th those were the only two true duds. Uh, I, I wasn't that thrilled with my uh, Stallone movie either, but it's a it's a masterpiece deserving the Oscar nominations in comparison to to 45 and this other movie I won't mention. It, yeah, it's not, I don't like to pick on a small film. I really don't for this, something like this. I would like to pick on bigger films, but I just could not, could not get, get past it. It's Tarantino. Yeah. He, he has a lot of swearing and stuff in his films and swearing, I guess, doesn't always bother me in movies, but in this one, it just seemed like the writer had, you know, could have cut the F words by half and would still have had plenty to go around there. And it's like, it's not a moralistic thing. I just think it's, it's lazy writing, lazy writing, unlikable characters. And I, I don't know who the, exactly this was for. I think there's supposed to be some sort of a feminist message somewhere in there, but then it's completely undone with a plot twist, uh, which I won't say, even though I wouldn't encourage anybody to see it. So that's the, <laughs> easily the movie I would, I'll, I'll probably watch the, the Ridiculous Six or whatever it's called. That's <laughs> Chandler movie before I would rewatch this, because at least they're trying to do something joyful, even though sometimes it's, it's not that successful with Adam Sandler movies, but you know, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've never seen that one. I've, I've never seen 45. It, um, just looking at the cover, it looks like something like they were trying sort of maybe like a La Femme Nikita sort of thing with it. Yeah, that's what I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't. No, it, it sounds like it was just not. Seeing the cover, and I asked you if it was a take on uh, Miss Forty Five, but uh, you said it's not. It looked like a similar idea, but yeah, no. it, it's a little bit more about this low-level crime boss and how he he's abusive to his girlfriend. Ugh, I, I, I yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not, not even worth spoiling. <laughs> no. Funny, oddly one so yeah, yeah oddly uh, enough, maybe i'm the one saying her name wrong but oddly enough on uh no, no, <laughs> mila jovovich day I, I that was one of the few days i did a double feature and uh, ultraviolet was the other one that almost made my shedding list but again it's just full of just supermodel action pose fighting where you just always look good and you're a lot of posing but not much else I did. Uh, that was a, a double feature day in the Tarantino day. Those were the only two. Anyway, gentlemen, thank you. Uh, you know, I appreciate you spending the better part of your evening talking about these action movies. And it was it's always fun to have these challenges and to be able to compare lists and, and kind of find out different people's uh, interests here. So I uh, appreciate the, the time you're taking and the work you did to put these lists together. So thanks for coming on and Hopefully we'll hear back from both of you again in the future here. So 
Before I go, I have to plug Rankin Review, Larry Parsons' great podcast. Sheldon, you should check it out if you haven't. It was uh, the father podcast to this one, and just Larry's such a great guy to talk movies with. A Lifetime of Hallmark as well, Kirk Fitzpatrick's show, and then Film Feast, Matt Pletso his movie-based podcast, all of them friends of the show and uh, well worth listening to. And every, I always end the show by saying to be safe and to be kind. Thank you uh, so much uh, to those listening and keep supporting the movies.